have I got a story for you. She's a clever lady, one who flipped the script and turned me into a guest for a bit. I caught on to that shit, though. I flipped it back. Who knew that an independent film star, model, and photographer would be so eager to also be a listener? It's because she's Canadian, people. Insert your stereotypical joke about kindness here. And who else knew that she wasn't joking about looking for the universe to help her get what she wanted? And damn if that universe didn't listen and answer. But first, today's sponsor, Diversity. This isn't so much a sponsor ad as it's going to be more of a plea. I've posted 24 pods and I've had six wonderful female guests, Shiloh, Gina, Candy, Kyleen, Hannah, and today's Blair. That's only 25% of the pod. I've had that many international guests. Shout out to Safe, Brian, Dolly, Jared, Hannah, Blair, and Gina, if you, much like Trump, count Puerto Rico as not an American territory. Shit, you could probably actually throw Jeff in there since he's in Alaska. Ladies, you are appreciated. Step it up. The Getting to Know You pod is looking to take advantage of you. Oh, I'm sorry. Not looking to take advantage of you. <laughs> We're looking for diversity. I'm trying to hear what you've been through and how you think about shit. Come on the pod. Bring the best you. This is a judgment-free zone. We and the listeners are looking to understand your perspective no matter what it is. So please bring a little diversity. Help us out. Send the pod's link and handle to your friends and followers. Pass the pod along to people who have interesting stories to tell and want to conversate. Let's keep getting to know each other, not just specific types of each other. That was a public service announcement sponsored and endorsed by Diversity. Be different. Be you. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You pod. Please follow and friend on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Listen and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, and any podcast platform. I cannot tell you how enjoyable and insightful it's been to get to know people from different regions and countries. We've been amazed at how many people are open to conversating and sharing their stories. Please listen, follow, friend, subscribe. We've got 24 up at this point and are growing. Be a part of it. And now, getting to know you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you, putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. My cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know Blair from Windsor, Ontario. And Blair, you are our second Canadian guest, first female Canadian guest. So thanks for coming Ooh. on. Represent that. I know you've been seeking more feminine energy on your podcast, so oh, I'm totally honored to be included. Yeah. And so we were talking before about um, I have two in the queue, and uh, I hope the two that have not posted yet, if they actually listen, don't get offended. But I may bump yours up just because I don't want to be the guy that just Ooh. does nothing but like white guys and posts. <laughs> don't want to pigeon your, pigeonhole yourself. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I've been um actually a little surprised that more women aren't okay with giving their personal information to a complete stranger on the internet who says, Hey, I just want to get alone and talk with you. Like I thought women would be more open to that. I don't know what's happened. 
You know what? You have to be selective when you go through your DMs and stuff like that. But I saw we were both mutual friends with Joe Rogan. Um, I've watched multiple podcasts on your end. You just seem like a genuine, cool dude. So yeah. I'm safe here. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it, it's funny because at first, um, man, I forget. Gina was the first female guest I had. I think she was my 10th podcast. And um she's down in Puerto Rico and she's kind of like doing this health coach business thing. And I think she saw it as like nice. an opportunity. Yeah. And she's, she's good, man. She posts a ton. Um, and it's, it, I don't know. It actually takes me to an unhealthy place just based on how great her life is. <laughs> Living in Puerto Rico, comparing. Right. And I was like, man, I got farm fields and rain, but like <laughs> it was, it was fortunate because I didn't have many, um, like pods up to kind of like give that reassurance. And now that I'm starting to roll mm-hmm. and you're in your twenties, at least you can send people a link and be like, look, man, I'm not trying to fish. I'm not, not like a Russian bot trying to steal your voice or find out personal information. I just want to see if this mm-hmm. thing can catch on, you know? So no, I do. I thank you for taking out, taking the time to uh, come on. Absolutely. Uh, your credentials are huge. Um, <laughs> I was honored. I was honored that you reached out to me. I mean, I love the idea of sharing and connecting, you know, and they say, if you want to have a conversation with someone, just ask them about themselves. So <laughs> I think this is going to just flow nicely. Right. Yeah. So the origin was I was sitting there and um, it was like I was at a either at a bar grabbing some food or at, like getting my oil changed. And I was like, you know, man, and I, I listen to podcasts all the time. I'm like, I wonder if it'd mm-hmm. be like interesting if you just randomly went up to people and like made this humanistic thing about like, Hey man, what's your story? You know? Hey, tell mm-hmm. me about you. And then like, just see if people got interested in it. Um, I'm sure that the stories that unfold are always stranger than fiction too. Like sometimes you just can't make that stuff up. Oh, dude. When people are hitting me with like, yeah, I've gone into abstinence in my 25th year of life. I'm like, what <laughs> you you're choosing? He's like, Oh yeah, it's great. Andre. And I was like, you're fucking kidding me. Or um, like, I mean, it's just it's a lifestyle. No doubt. Or like this guy, um, Dolly from Spain was like, yeah, um, yeah, man. So I was homeless for a year and then I got into street performing and I was like, oh, fuck, mm. I'm just going to open a circus school. And you're like, what? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you're doing a surreal artist and how they, anyway. Yeah. It's, it's been super interesting, but enough about That's them. That's deep. Enough about them, Blair. <laughs> <laughs> So just the basic internet profile stalking that I do has you with mm-hmm. like three, four titles in your Instagram. And I guess I should have had it looked up. I want to say actress, model, and just nice person. Is that right? I'll go with that. <laughs> creator. You know, That's actress, someone who's model, looking creator. to have a good time. Nice. Yeah. Um. So actress, like actually uh, aspiring or like been in films. What's that about? I've just enjoyed acting. I think ever since I was young in grade school, you know, I had this creative sense in me. So I was one of those kids that would always put on plays for the classroom and teach dances outside in the schoolyard. Like I just loved performing. And what that led to was ultimately what I majored in in university. And I did a couple, um, short films during that time. I did an independent film, things like that, some live theater. And I think my love for the arts and performing had a lot to do with being an only child. And like I said before, I did some research on you as well, because conversations are a two-way street. And I know that you are an only child as well. So with that, I think brought 
a huge imagination. Oh, we're the most imaginative fuckers out there, man. You're just spending Definitely. time by yourself. You're like making dolls <laughs> and GI Joes. Well, for me, it was GI Joes because I wouldn't dare play with dolls. But you're making. I played with GI Joes too. <laughs> you're... I was kidding. I actually played with dolls. I was. It was a trick to try to get <laughs> no with judgment. The no judgment. <laughs> but yeah, you're always making them do stuff. And so you're a single yeah. child. Did that? Did you gravitate more towards like the director control part or did you gravitate towards the like being on stage and performing part? A little bit of both. I mean, ultimately, if I could direct something in a professional sense and star in it and have like total control, even with the editing, I mean, that would be ideal. But I think that's taking on more more than you can chew in, in that respect. But I do like to have, you know, the final look whenever I create something from my heart. Right. Um, but when you get collaborative, it's a lot of different hands in the pot, which is good. But, you know, you kind of have that vision and you want to ride with it and go a certain direction. And then someone else has input. But it's it's all about the people. It's all about who you meet and who you network and keeping those connections strong. Yeah, I've always been interested. So I wonder, like, going back when you were in um college for it and trying to make some productions, mm-hmm. what were the dynamics like? when you're going through the creative process, because I think of jobs and I'm like, okay, manager, tell me what to do. Okay. I do it. <laughs> like if I'm a waiter, I have my section. If I'm a bartender, like I'll make your drink when I get to it, you know, kind of, you, right, but right. to actually create something from nothing and have to like share mm-hmm. that vision with someone either can be like utopic or it can be a fucking disaster. I would imagine. No, absolutely. I think it all comes down to sometimes you're given um, sort of a strategy from your professor and then you start with an idea. You can create that into a storyboard. I mean, we worked with a 16 millimeter film and we were splicing things together before the digital age. So it was manual labor there. But, you know, it was it was fun to work with your peers. And since I was the class actress, I think I was in like three, four films and the moment it goes on the big screen, there's like that adrenaline, you know, just to see how it unfolds in the hands of someone else. You definitely have to trust each other. Oh man, that's a great point. Yeah. Cause that's that whole cutting room floor. Like that's where definitely. it comes from. Like, it's like, wait a minute. I thought I was really good in that scene. And then all of a sudden you're making me look whatever, like more like a bitch <laughs> or why'd you pick that part to zoom in on my face kind of stuff, huh? Exactly. Like, what was your intention there? I think Stanley Kubrick actually worked a lot with uh, film too, and he wasn't preserving the footage. So it was all starting to disintegrate. Um, I think it's preserved now in in that respect. It's gone digital, but he was just a mastermind in and of himself as well. What, um, what were you in the short films? I mean, if you remember the titles or give like little summaries of them. Right, right. So a couple of them, had to do around school, you know, deadlines. And I was the person waking up late for the exam. And we filmed a lot in the city on different locations, train tracks, things like that. The independent film that I did was called Charity back in 2012. I was the lead actress there. And it was a film that was premiered at Santa Monica Film Festival, which was really exciting. No fucking I didn't get way, to go. dude. Yeah, the premiere was <laughs> was pretty epic. I didn't get to go there, but it, it was a lot of fun. And I think the best thing that I learned from that is how much different stage acting is from film acting. Because stage acting is very um, expressive. Like, the fact that we're just talking right now with our vocals if you could see my face, like I'm an open book, like my expressions are always identified on my face. But when you get on the camera and you get in these tight shots, everything is just amplified. 
not only putting 10 pounds on you, they say, but every emotion is, is heightened. So it's def- definitely a different method from what I was used to on, on the stage and things like that. But it was awesome. I was, I was so happy to do that. Dude, so wait, do you have like an IN, what's it, IMDB page? Are I you, do. Are, no, you that don't. That was like a bucket Holy list shit. thing for me. Yeah, I, I, like, there's not very many credentials in there. I did, um, I did some hand acting, some commercials, some extras. Wait, you're I'm, a hand model too? Shut up, man. George <laughs> yeah, Costanza right. style? <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's what I think Seinfeld. To make a side gig on that, you know, just go on Craigslist. Oh, hand or foot model? No, but yeah, when I when I established that, you have to pay like I think it's two hundred US a year to keep it up. So the photos are down at this time. You know, funds are kind of tight, but but yeah, that was that was a bucket list thing for me for sure. Dude, that's cool. And like, fuck you if someone like looks it up and they're like, oh yeah, she only has like five lines. Like, right? That's way above average. Right, <laughs> like if yeah. you're gonna go percentile of population that has an actual INDB and has been in a film that's at fucking like independent film that's been shown somewhere, that's way different than having like fucking a hundred thousand views on YouTube, you know? Oh well, th- thank you for that. That makes me feel good. You know, I mean, one of my titles is um, I think Club Girl or something like that. I did a we had a local TV show here in Windsor, Ontario called Cooked, and that took off pretty good. It was, was screened that- at one of our theaters here so yeah was that actually cooking or was that you guys just getting high <laughs> you could see it of, of two ways there's definitely some partying that went on in the series but it was based around a restaurant you know kitchen lingo and you can relate to that too because you've had oh, yeah. a background in, in service oh dude for sure um when anthony and i didn't i got really affected when kobe bryant died because he had passed away with his daughter oh, in the helicopter and that just hit I me know. but when anthony bourdain passed away like that mm. was the dude coming up in the restaurant when like it might have been the first book I read that was not like required reading in school his um kitchen mm-hmm. confidentials and I was like holy shit dude this is a lifestyle and I, it, it kind of scared me and made me want to like get out a little bit because I'm like dude I could go dark down this rabbit hole mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like the sleep cycles and all that um wow cook so that's cool so it was a not just like a cooking show but it got into the restaurant aspect Yes. And I've actually had some experience uh, in service as well. It was short. It was a short lived period. Uh, I well, you didn't want I to was... put your hands at risk. So I understand. Right. You got to keep these <laughs> you know, pearly nails. Money maker. But I'm definitely too emotional for service. I, I mm. had to learn not to take things so personally, even in life. Uh... You know, everything goes straight to the heart center when you're an empath and things like that. So it's about stepping away. And I think you talked about solving people's problems like what do they need from me that I can provide but also without you know losing your own identity and you know not staying true to your morals and things like that so dude that's a great point because and here and it actually just made me think about this so like was tipping the original like amount of likes or hearts or followers that you had because, I believe it. Right? Because like it. tipping was a direct, I saw myself as I'm good if I got over 20%. And I saw my, like it fucking affected my emotional well being as like, oh, yeah. why did I disappoint you? What did I, like you wanted to question people about it. What did I do? It. No I know. Doubt. Jesus. That's I know. Funny. You can't walk away from that without feeling a little wounded from time to time, especially when you arrive with your A game. But at the end of the day, maybe that person's 
just broke, but then don't eat out if you can't. No doubt. You can't tip, you know? You fucking Come early on. birders. Just stay home. Just stay home with your early <laughs> Cook bird. Cook yourself fucking a meal. Ass, like. <laughs> right? Tip on the regular price. That's my thing. Like if you come early bird and you get a three course meal for 15 bucks, can you not leave $3? It's not a $3 service. Can we at least get five? It's, Just round it's up It's not cute. <laughs> no doubt. Um, I know. How, I, I hear that. So were you a waiter, um, hostess, manager, bartender? What'd you do? I was a hostess. I did a little bit of waiting. Um, it was hard on my wrists. I've done gymnastics in my past and I had to quit because of my wrists. They've never been strong. There's exercises and stuff to do, but it's like, wow, these plates are, are really killing me. I don't know if it's a long time career and, and kudos and people to people that do uh, yeah. prolong it, but it's, Fuck it's yeah. hard labor, you know, dude, it is. It's, it's, um, probably like a step probably a step below construction work, man, just for the amount of steps and the the weird, awkward lifting angles and placing stuff, especially if you're in a place where you got like plates on plates, like f- the more fine dining, the better the plate is. Um, it'll wear you out mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. My feet were so sore <laughs> at the end of my shifts and things like that. I did have a shirt during the time. It said, just a waitress until I get discovered, you know, it was super <laughs> corny. It's like this whole idea of, you know, making it big, but now I feel in, in my life here in Windsor, Ontario, um, we're a border city right across from Detroit, Michigan. So we have a killer view of the skyline in that respect. Okay. And it's really close to uh, the Detroit Metro Airport, which is great to travel many places, you know, Europe, the Caribbean, Mexico. I mean, certainly not right now in, in this situation. But I don't know, man. Flights I've are d- cheap. Hella cheap. <laughs> now <laughs> it might be the be time tempted, but <laughs> 2021 it's going to be our year right no but I feel that a lot of the creative projects that I do now um the moment that they feel like a job and they feel like work mm. I'm not in it as much do you know what I'm saying with that it's like I like to do things and receive payment that's so much more than just money it's fulfilling your soul your creative intuition it's you can't put a price on it. I mean, certainly you can, but the things that I do now aren't um, for that sort of um, feedback and status, so to speak. Gotcha. Do you do stuff? And I actually wanted to ask about the charity movie, um, but going off of that, like, so are you, is it more like you're creating characters or is it more like the typical, like finding motivation for someone else's character type stuff? Is that Mm. what you're talking about? Yeah, I think it's a mixture of of both, actually. You're given a script and you're trying to identify this person that you're going to represent and play, and you can't help but find aspects in yourself that you can ignite to create the emotion behind the character and things like that. It's with method acting, you can tap into different emotions and then portray them from a real sense. Like it's acting, but it's also going back in and digging deep and saying, hey, how can I relate and how can I serve this person in the best way that I can. Have you ever gone um, off the deep ends for like a role? And again, I know nothing about your <laughs> roles, but like whatever, you're like a, a drug addict. So you're like, yeah, man, I'm just going to oh. commit to meth for three weeks just so I know what it feels style like. Yeah, thing. right? Like those kind of things. Um, have you ever gone that far? I did a play called Bug and it's a crazy play and we brought it to the stage and there was blood and the soundtrack was unreal that the director served. And I played sort of the antithesis of myself. I was like this butch, you know, like Southern lesbian. And like, it was something that I could be pushed to just 
find and and serve and that was that was probably more more challenging for me but at the end I was super proud of it because you know when you stay in your safe zone you you're not going to grow right you have to go on the outskirts so well, yeah also, that would be the role you're also like limiting opportunity right so like if you're for seen sure. as like whatever the the peppy blonde then that's all you are exactly oh, man. you know I'm, like the cheerleader or, yeah right mm-hmm. so what was I watching oh before the devil knows you're gone so it's a two, Why does that sound familiar? 2007, Richard or Philip Seymour, Ethan Hawke, Marissa Tomei. Oh, I I probably watched it because that Ethan Hawke is my celebrity yeah. crush. So, dude, the scene starts off, and if um and if the graphicness, what I, if if I become too rude, tell me. But so I had to Google. Mar- Philip Seymour is just mm-hmm. pounding Marissa Tomei, and I'm like, like it's a pretty intense doggy style sex scene. I'm like this wow. is marissa tomei she doesn't do this she's a cute little right like she, right. she's got the sex appeal but she's not like nude like naked naked and dude mm-hmm. as i'm watching this movie she just does scenes where she's like i'm in my underwear without a bra and we're just having like a two-minute dialogue and you're like mm-hmm. like there's no body double like it's you and it made me think like wow was this the movie when she was like you know fuck it man i'm 43 and i just want to show this off and I don't want to be I'm pigeonholed. Coming. Do you know what I'm saying? And dude, it was Definitely. shocking. I was like, Marissa, to- I had no idea. No <laughs> idea that like Marissa Tomei went down that road. You were shook when you saw that. You know, what was it for me was the movie Monster with Charlize Theron. She completely transformed into this woman. This, it was based on a true story and took away, you know, all of her physical beauty and played this sort of raw dirty character and right. she killed it. I think she got the Oscar for it. Was that something about, was that trailer park or am I thinking of something else? Like it involved trailer living or no? I feel like it did. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't think I've seen it, but I, I remember the cover, um, like the photo uh, or the yeah. uh, movie poster that was like pretty stark. Yep. She was in like the orange jumpsuit and yeah, that definitely okay, yeah, left yeah. A, a mark on me. I love films that make you feel something like raw films like I'm a generally happy person, but I love escaping and watching film and, and theater and things like that and, and experiencing the darkness and the drama. And I can just walk away and say, okay, my real life isn't like that, but I can hold it at arm's length and I can just escape in that and, and feel that. Right. So how did you go? Um, where did you find your motivation for being Southern Butch? <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of gay it bars was... in Ontario or? Yeah, the play was in Ontario. I watched a lot of the show Orange is the New Black at the time. It was really popular and just took some direction from that, made it my own. I watched the film, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to make an interpretation from your own, but it was Ashley Judd. She did really good. Oh, no way. It was just a blast. Yeah, those, those times with theater, you put so much in. It's like rehearsal after rehearsal. I think we had like at least over 35 rehearsals for three or four performances but it's yeah. so worth it yeah that and the uh the marathon of the end night where you're just like show 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 and then you get to enjoy versus grind and worry um has definitely to, like it just has to i don't know ha- it, it makes it worthwhile right like that's i guess oh for sure what was when you your... cheers everyone at the end it's the best feeling what was your character in the charity movie she was literally a kind girl who was very charitable uh. and got caught up with the wrong people oh. and 
the ending, you know, we were in a courtroom. That's all I can say. I wish I could find it for you. I'm not sure if it's available on any streaming service. I have the DVD from the director, but that was all shot in the city as well. We went over to Detroit. We had our own little premiere there with, with the cast and crew. Those were really, really special times for me. Yeah. So, and I'm actually wondering about that too, because I, I, um, I've spoken to some people about like corporate work life versus entrepreneurship or like creating something mm-hmm. with just people. And mm-hmm. I, it takes me to restaurants too, where like the smaller the restaurant, the more you have to do, the more you're dependent on people. You're not replacing right. people. Like you are what you are. We accept you for who you are. We're going to go through whatever this experience is together. And it really binds you. Um, mm-hmm. So going through an independent, making an independent film, that's actually like a whole film. What's that like the relational process, like with, I don't know, like directors, actors, um, co-stars. Mm-hmm. It's definitely collaborative. You spend like days and weeks with them throughout. You get to know everybody and you form this like family and you think it's going to last forever. And of course, like I still talk to some people on the set, but you know, there was nothing you look in Hollywood and it's like, wow, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, you know, they got married from that. Like there's these connections yeah. in Hollywood. I would imagine the temptation is just crazy out there, but I guess when you're loyal, you're loyal no matter where you are, wherever you go, there yeah. you are, right? <laughs> oh, so you didn't fall like were you were you charity in the movie? Was the girl's name charity? I'm just literally. Assuming. Yeah, right. So did yes. charity have like a love interest? Is that what got her into this wrong place? Or did she have like a gambling, a secret dark deep like <laughs> drug addiction? What what took her there? She got involved in a murder and was framed and Ooh. she had a love interest. Uh, played by Tarek. He's a local uh, musician in the scene now. His stuff is really good. And wrong place at the wrong time, caught up, you know, could it be me? Is she so innocent after all? You have to find out. Dude, I like it. Dude, you got to upload, <laughs> you, you got to load that up to uh, YouTube if it's not on any streaming services, man. Yeah. Or like uh, Vimeo. I know Vimeo is, oh, yeah, is yeah, good yeah. for that stuff too. Yeah. I think I caught, what did I catch on there? Some dude told me about this satiric movie called Iron Sky which is like Nazis mining not after the war Nazis go to the moon and start mining for a, a natural element. And then like in oh, 2010, what? they come back and like try to like take back over the earth. <laughs> and it's like, wow. One Nazi becomes righteous. Oh dude. It's so stupid. Funny. It's almost like naked gun, stupid, funny. Um, like that kind <laughs> of stuff. Those. Love those. I love airplane. Yeah, yeah. My husband's totally into world war two. I was convinced that he's a soldier in his past life. And I think I've watched like every war movie cause it's all about compromise. Right. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I'm so how did you audition or how did you guys like get your roles for these things? You have an agent or you're just like on, on like a legit Craigslist web page. I've never had an agent. It was more just the network in the community word of mouth getting oh, okay. a message saying hey are you in, are you interested in this role and showing up and doing a cold read and saying hey you fit or or hey you don't um in our city we also have this challenge called Windsor International Film Festival 48 hour film challenge so huh. you're given um, a phrase that you have to say in this film and a prop and you have to make it in only 48 hours time so oh, cool there's a lot of premeditative, premeditative ideas that come to the surface, but it has to be at the end of the day, original content. And you just collaborate with all these like-minded people, someone films, someone directs, someone edits, people act, and then you present it in a contest 
And I did a film called The Anniversary back in 2008, where we were on this dark road. And there was a lot of improv involved, which is a lot of fun. But there's also pressure in that as well, because you can't just stay true to the script. And it's like, what do I do? But with the editing, it all came together good. I got best actress for that so that was no way that was a blast yeah that was that was a lot of fun and now I just show up to the screenings every year to support the local talent and if the itch comes back you know I'll go into that (laughs) do you ever have an itch for something that you like to do that you keep on the shelf from time to time yeah because again once you once you get over meth you never want to go back down that road (laughs) (laughs) yeah once you go meth you never go back right meth and oreos i gotta stay away from those things it's all about the waistline at this part of your life um dude that 48 film 48 hour film challenge so you're putting together like a like a is it called and i know nothing about the industry um like feature length film like an hour and a half 90 minute film in 48 hours oh no they're short i want to say like ours was like 20 minutes max but you have to hit all these key elements and it's it's definitely challenging. I remember our head editor was just sleepless nights trying to put this all together and but it's fun that like when you put a time limit on something it creates more of an urgency. Oh yeah. That's kind of like where I feel like with with COVID during my weekends it's like okay when there's no sort of schedule you could just sleep in or do this and uh, that but yeah. when you meditate your morning and you just go at it from that sort of bullet list perspective then you get stuff done. Yeah, I, I'm ashamed at how unproductive I've been um, during COVID. How I'm can like, you say that? I'm You've like, been super productive. I'm like, motherfucker, you're getting up at 7.30. And like this week, I've been like, dude, get your bitch ass up and start doing something. Um, That's awesome, though. But yeah, I mean, dude, you're so right. And um, that pressure can almost like hone your uh, decision making, I would imagine. Because creative, dude, you can just – like most creative people can just sit there and fucking talk and go down pathways and rabbit holes mm-hmm. for like hours. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, nah, man, we need a fucking decision. Where are we going? What are we doing? All right, cool. Let's roll. Boom. And then you just Boom. accept it for what it is where I, sometimes I think people too want to make it like perfect. And you're like, oh, no, no, mm-hmm. I just need another day to just get whatever. And uh, yes, dude, I love that idea. And that's like a whole film festival thing up there, right? Yep. It's every year. Um, it's shown at the Capitol Theater. And it's just, it's brilliant. It's such a creative time in the year. I hope that we can have it this year. I mean, they're saying what june now things could be reopening i have no idea i don't really know if anyone has any idea yeah they're just fucking throwing dates out there just because they got to have a press conference and say something like they you can't keep your job and keep saying i don't know well then it's like why are you a fucking expert get down you know so it's like it's it's so true it's so scary the unknown like we've never had a pandemic like this it's well from the the what was it the spanish flu yeah back in the day but did they order people to stay home i mean it's it's wild yeah, so I'm going down the conspiracy theory road at this point where Love it. I'm I'm looking at the numbers and I'm just looking at the way people um so for instance in my county in Delaware, which is a small rural county, it's like um so we have one city basically, which is Wilmington. Um, but we don't like mm-hmm. have any professional sports teams or anything. Uh we're near Philadelphia, we're near DC, but Delaware Okay. We might have a million people in the whole state. So there's three counties, Wilmington, um, our county. Uh, which has whatever, 10, 12 towns, has a total population of, I think it might have been 100, 200,000. So the headline is Sussex County confirmed cases, 1,400 confirmed cases. And it's like, <gasps> and it's like, dude, that's mm-hmm. 0.7% percent of, of the, the population. population. It's not even <laughs> fucking one out of 100 people. 
You know, so like right. if you're in Walmart with 200 people, two people might have Corona. And I get, again, right, one and a half people. Like, okay, that could spread and just destroy. I get it. I get it. But mm-hmm. when you look at like America's numbers, it's like I think 40% of the fucking cases are in New York City. And, and like so it, devastating. Yeah, but it helps me to understand like why people in Montana are like, don't fucking tell me to stay home, man. We're fine. Like we're, we're distance. Mm-hmm. We, we don't need to be – it, it, you you don't need that big federal sweeping blanket of a statement because it's mm-hmm. so it's so based on population and the spread. Yeah, it's know? the ratio of everything. I, I yeah. can understand that for sure. So now, the, with you being in a rural area, are you? Um, do you have like a big long porch? Can I ask you that? Yeah, no, I'm on like actually I'm like country living. So I got like an acre. You know, it's uh it's that's nice. amazing. Yeah, so we I got I got enough space. And dude, I I don't know what you would do if you had three or four kids and you lived in a 400 square foot apartment in New York City with like parks oh closed. Gosh. Like I could not Can imagine. Can you imagine? No. And then you're also trying to work and like, what do you do with the kids? Like it's that cluster. But the the difference between now and like the epidemic, the Spanish flu thing is like um, how influential are clicks and views, especially for media? And like, mm-hmm. are they just propelling and perpetuating this thing because their ratings are fucking skyrocketing and like they mm-hmm. actually get to get advertising revenue that they'll never have. And they get wow. views and social media follows that they'll probably never get again. And I'm like, mm-hmm. is that why this is still going on so bad? Cause we've been making fucking ventilators and masks now for about a month. So I'm pretty sure if we got like cruise ships that can be turned into hospitals, um, mm-hmm. we can handle, like we have extra beds now. <laughs> <laughs> but that yeah. are not getting used. So wasn't that the whole reason we stayed inside was so that the curve didn't overwhelm the medical system. Mm-hmm. And that like doesn't get brought up anymore. I think that fear sells. And I think a lot of people are abusing that with the fear tactics and the negative articles and, and things like that. And I try to limit myself on there because I can just, like you said, go down that rabbit hole and just how many times have you been convinced that you've had it? You have a dry cough and you're like, Oh, like right. it's the end. Like, <laughs> but I think we're, I think we're going to be okay. I feel really bad for people that have weddings and things like that this year, because it's so unknown if these things are going to progress. Yeah. And I think come time when it happens, uh, I also do photography as sort of a creative job that I still enjoy because I don't do it in massive amounts. And I'm definitely open to opportunities that will arise from that, not sort of taking advantage of the situation economically, da, 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 but looking <laughs> but, into but, that. But if your photographer gets double booked and you need someone, just DM yeah. Blair. <laughs> I wouldn't throw her out of bed. What's, what your, say, what's no. your traveling radius, man? Are you willing to fly? If they pay for you to fly there, will you Ooh. go? Money talks, my friend. I, I mean, it depends. It depends how far. Certainly not flying right now. We were supposed to go on vacation, but I guess there are worse things in, in life than staying at home with endless snacks and yeah. things like that. So I've definitely tried to be more grateful during this time, just focus on the good and the things that have fallen into my lap in life and reflecting on that because I think we're in this go, go, go lifestyle that it's good to sort of sit back and meditate and dude that's the biggest thing so yeah like dude i like you don't realize so especially and i'm I'm a sports guy i coach basketball and i'm I'm, i I watch sports you know football basketball Mm -hmm. um i actually watch just about any sport but that not being there it's like jesus like why 
don't you read more, dude? Like all of a sudden you're reading more and you're like learning things and you enjoy knowing these things and thinking. And you're like, it's amazing how just the grind of ambition and go takes away from the relaxation of like self-improvement. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I've learned that more and more. You know, if I could give my younger self one word of advice, it'd be like, just relax, like breathe, like this too shall pass. Like, where's the fire? You know, I think this has all made us slow down a bit more, which definitely cannot hurt. Um, One of the books that I've been rereading, and I know you mentioned this in one of your podcasts, is Humans of New York. It was... um, gifted to me and I just I fell in love I follow I follow him on Instagram too there's daily stories with different people and how cool is that when the story meets the image and boom it's like gold yeah that fucker's creative as all hell and that was again part of like I read um I was big into Malcolm Gladwell I am still big into it so I've read all of his books and he had one on Mm -hmm. talking to strangers and it kind of reaffirmed like almost why like I don't like doing the video with this because he has a whole chapter about how we just are as humans really suck at reading body language of people that we're not accustomed to. And if we just if we just had voice, yeah, they did this whole thing where like if uh, judges just listened versus saw a person, the actual mm-hmm. conviction rate was more accurate. Like they played a video of someone who had like whatever the evidence is they actually did commit the crime and then they – played video of people who were actually found innocent and the judges just based on looking and hearing were like 50% accurate when they saw people as far as like judging them properly. And Mm -hmm. on audio, I think it went up to like 70, 80%. Wow. And it's like just maybe facts and voice is what you should do to judge people. So anyway, like the, the dude who made the humans of NY thing was like the tipping point. I'm like, Oh shit, there's actually a market for just learning about different people. Fuck yeah, man. Let's see if it works. Absolutely. Um, I feel like listening to hear someone rather than listening to just speak is huge as well. I mean, they say you have two ears and one mouth for a reason, like rather than just waiting to say what you have to say, it's like, Oh, let's respond to what we were just told in a sort of non-subjective way. Yeah. The one thing that does suck is like, um, and I found it out like the, um, interjector in you. Because body language does help you to know when to fucking talk and when to interject and when to shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> some people true. just pause Social naturally. Cues. Exactly. Um, have you picked up any like weird little habit? Like I've been banging on a fucking Cajun drum, reading and starting a oh. podcast like that. And dude, I'm terrible. I got no rhythm, um, at least with my hands. So <laughs> have, you, um, have you picked up any weird little habits um, being pent up with your creative self? Right now when I create um... – I think you saw my username on, on Instagram. It's called my own Musey. My nickname is Z. So it's my own muse. So I love staging photos and I love recreating scenes from my favorite movies. I don't know when this started, but I just find such pleasure in seeing a photo and then making it my own or, or sort of staging myself in the same costume and, and remaking that. And it's just, it's something that just feeds my soul. Like I'm a huge movie guru. So I mean, my list is endless. It's things like that that keep me very busy. I never really allow myself to feel bored, you know? Right. What was the last um, one you did? I want to say it was one with my husband and I. I think we did like Mr. and Mrs. Smith in the kitchen (laughs) with the the pots and pans. Um, When we could actually go outside, I would go to different locations. I did like this Kill Bill 
photo at an abandoned church in the county. Oh no! Wait, I- were were you the pregnant one, Lynn, or were you like one of the, like the the snipers coming up to shoot? It was totally non from the scene. It was oh. with the yellow jumpsuit because <laughs> oh. I just wanted to wear it because yeah, I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. Wait, but, did, did you order the yellow jumpsuit or that's just something you had laying around? Or you were like, oh my God, Uma I, has y- yellow leather too. Right? Bruce Lee's costume right in my my closet there. No, I definitely ordered it probably from China at wholesale price. I mean, some of the stuff that you get is is terrible quality. And then other things are like, wow, like I definitely overpay for things in the store. Oh, I've been right. shopping less though. I feel that now with the uncertainty of everything i've just kind of taken a step back and i've been saving more and hey have you had a dive in any of the local stocks right now dive in local stocks what do you mean like oil and things like that canadian oil resources um so yeah I, i don't know how much of my financial wizardry i want to put out there but i actually got a little bit into day trading almost like at the perfect time of grabbing part of the upward rise and something I discovered and I didn't take any classes. I have no financial background, but I got into Mm -hmm. um, buying and I guess it was more swing trading, not day trading because I would hope to clear like 5% growth. And if it hit 5%, I would set like a trigger alarm and then the stock would sell automatically. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. But then the one fucking part that I didn't realize and it bit me in the ass. um, So when Trump was going to get impeached, I thought the S and P 500 would, um, drop because i just Uh, fucking impeachment like that's gonna mm -hmm. matter nope well (laughs) what um (laughs) what what happened was i set my drop for like whatever 316 a share of a s&p 500 stock but it doesn't sell overnight so the whole like after hours trading the triggers that i had were at market open so that shit i didn't i didn't realize could go fucking whatever percentage like huge percentage swings so i wound up the trigger was whatever, 316. I think it's something, it rose, I took it off and then all of a sudden the bitch bottoms out for another reason at like 310. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, I didn't want to sell then. Like I just would have wrote it out, it, the, the loss, because I bought whatever, 311, something stupid. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, going back to oil. Um, so then I started discovering dividends. Have you gotten into like dividends at all? No, but I use that term a lot in my life, not in a stock way, but I'm always like, are there dividends for something? But, yeah. but no, go on. So yeah, because this is super interesting for people tuning in to, for an actress is to get investment advice from a guy whose like, portfolio is down <laughs> 25% at the time. So No, I, di- I'm, I'm into it. Dividends are like fucking crack, dude. So companies have dividends where they kick back a percentage of their profits. So you can time this. They put out a date when it's like, hey, if you own stock on, I'll just use round dates, on January 1st, every share you own, we will pay you 15 cents a share or we will pay you 25 cents a share. Or like Boeing was at like $2 a share. So there's a huge catch, right? And again, not, not not a guy at all. So you can go to dividend calendars and you just seek percentages. So you can find a dollar a share. And if it's a $5 stock, that's a 20% dividend. I'm like, I'm all fucking in on that. Jackpot. Yeah. Until you realize you just bought like 20 grand worth of oil companies. And you're like, why are all these energy companies offering such high dividends when like, (laughs) you know, like um, Amazon would be like a 2% dividend. You know, like typically they say like a five, 6% dividend is pretty good because the stock's going to grow on its own and you get dividends Mm -hmm. basically quarterly. So you're getting 
one and a half percent plus whatever the stock is growing quarterly, which equals 5% annually, plus you hope for a 6% return annually. So now you're at 11% and you're like, wow, that's above inflation, which is two to 3%, which was the standard marker that I, Googling around, went with and whatever. So I'm all in and you get this one fucking fat payday and now you got like a grand or two grand of just money dropped in your bank, plus you own the stock mm -hmm. and you're like, yo, I'm gonna use that money to buy more stocks. Yeah, I know, right? And then the fucking bubble hits and you're like, shit, dude, like I, I had, a, I was at a point where I had like eight, nine grand in dividend that I just kept throwing back in and buying more stocks that had dividends. No, you got to cash out. Yeah, yeah. So I was fucking, I got greedy in my head. I was like, I had a car payment and I was like, man, if I can clear enough for my car payment monthly with dividends, I'll do that. But then I'm like, why don't I just keep buying the stocks? And then in like a year, I'll just pay the fucking car off and hold. Yeah, you're thinking long term. Yeah, and um, honestly, I I think my strategy now is when I get my dividends, I'm just gonna um, um, go re I guess re up the bankroll, <laughs> try to get Smart. more cash heavy, and just try to hopefully this market goes back up when the um, economy opens back up. Um, mm -hmm. But it, same shit, you know, like you read and you follow, and I. Um, Different people say different things and I've, I tried to get in on pot. So like when pot went into Canada, right. I was all fucking in on canopy and then we're legalizing it and I bought all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Oh dude, Aurora mm -hmm. fucking broke my heart. Jesus it Christ. You fucking plummeted. Jesus, you horrible people. Um, well, here's what you find out when people legalize stock or pot is when you decriminalize it, it makes it easier for people to fucking just buy it off of dealers. <laughs> So you don't need to go through the yeah, infrastructure, the regulation, it. the research. And by the way, weed's called weed because it fucking grows like a weed. It ain't really too hard to grow if you're able to grow it without penalty and fear in your basement and fucking greenhouses. So the pot stocks are not – Yeah. Um, the pot stocks fucked me. But then after that, I was doing pretty well buying and selling. Um, I got into like a mortgage investment companies where they have to kick back 90% of their profits for them to be tax exempt. Have you heard about Ooh. those? No. Yeah, Jesus. So, I've heard about like foreclosures. I mean, it, it's also interesting. I mean, you could really dive in. Like I said, like I'm not an expert either, but I'm trying to, you know, talk to people like you and just learn things here and there. I'm right. more, I was like a day trader perspective. Like my husband's like, keep the oil stock in, you know, next year. And I'm like, you can make a Benjamin today if you just sell at this price. And he's like, it's not enough. And yeah, we go back and forth. But yeah, I yeah. I'm, dude, I'm the like 60 bucks. Actually, yeah. So what did you got? What a uh, stock? It's Canadian. It's Canadian nat natural resources. I think it was like $4 at one point. Oh yeah. And it only goes up like anywhere between a dollar maximum a day, but depending on how much you have invested, I mean, do the math. Yeah, no, exactly. Cause it's so cheap. It's almost like penny stocks, which is part of what I found into, um, as well. That reminds me of Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, dude. And if that's all you have, and then that's your whole fucking, like, you don't have any, like, cash asset. You're all fucking stock rich. It'll, uh... Yeah. Yeah, it'll get you. That's the thing. It can be dangerous. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I'm up 2300 on the day. And, yeah, this was that's the stock I really was looking. really good. Yeah, so I'm at... Oh, yeah, here it is. G-L-O-P. So GLOP. Glop. Gas <laughs> log partner, whoever the fuck they are, right? Uh, American. I yeah. See, this is the thing. I bought them for their dividends and whatever with the dividend. But now the stock has come back where I'm at twenty percent. So if I sold today, I could make eleven hundred dollars. And Damn it's like, 
right? So like if the economy would not have crashed, I would have sold because again, I like I have that. So if it's at 20%, what I would do today is set a marker for whatever the price would be. So I would clear 15%, right? Or like, oh, I want to clear a grand. So what price do I need to sell the shares? And then if it gets triggered today, I'll make my grand. And if not, it expires today and I'll look at it tomorrow and I'll mm-hmm. re, you know, reorganize. But I'm like, why the fuck are they going up so much if the total market Again, like my portfolio is down like 25, 28% for the year. That includes those shitty pot stocks. So I'm like, Overall. yeah. And the dude, the pot stocks just fucking crushed me as far as my I balance. Know. But I'm like, it's no, horrible. that glop might, I got 522 a share. That bitch was at like $20 a share. How long ago? Dude, six, months, six months, six months ago, that bitch was at 14. Yeah. So, and it's, and it's dividend yield is 35%. So that fucking Dang. means annually or quarterly, you're almost getting 10% of per share of the fucking stock price. Like maybe I'll just ride. But at the same time, that bitch was down to fucking, I got 522. It's low at one point. It was like $3 a share and you're out so, two grand, you know? And you're like, oh man, what do I fucking I know. do? Yeah, it, dude, it went down to $1.51, you know? So Ooh, like- that's I'll, low. Yeah. And it's as high as twenty one ninety five. So it's it's just too much, and you wind up getting anxious. And Warren Buffett gave some great advice. He was like, "Dude, just know five fucking stocks and know how to ride them." Yeah, <laughs> look know? at the trends, and you know, like there's software and things like that. I haven't gotten too much into it, but if you see the trends and how it has had a tendency to rise and fall, yeah, there's no reason that you can't just sell, make bank, and then buy low again. And I've done that with um different stocks. Um, Look at us giving. I'm just giving free stock advice, man. If someone fuck, <laughs> if someone if someone makes podcast. any kind of money on this, can I please get you to kick me a little bit of back for my sponsor for the pod? Oh, uh, um, well, so, we want in on that too. We, we get dude, a percentage, no doubt. So GE is another one where GE was on the track before the epidemic um, to fucking go, and they declared bankruptcy. And what I remember, GE was one of the first stocks I bought because their CEO went away and their new CEO came in. And that motherfucker gets like a $500 million bonus if the stock hits like $15 a share. So I heard huh. that and I'm like, there's no fucking way this dude is going to miss out on 500 mil. Like he's going to fucking lie, cheat his way to $15 a share. Yeah, so, it's going to be rigged. Right? So I got in at 1186. It's dropped all the way to five. Like that's been yeah, its, it's floor, low now. but that was pre-epidemic. It was climbing and I was up like a grand on it. It was up to like 13. Well, oh, you're right. It's dropped all the back way back. in February. Yeah, it's dropped all the way down to six. So like GE at $6 a share, now their dividends are shit because when they declared bankruptcy, they just got too heavy into coal and they had to like redo all their shit. And now they're trying to get into renewables. Like, mm, Okay, I, environmentally. Yeah, and I'm like, how the fuck do you not get into environmentals when Obama's in office, but you're going to try to go environmental with Trump? Like you're just fucking, whoever right. made that decision was a dumbass. But at six sixty a share, even though the dividends are shit, it could easily double as soon as the sanctions are lifted and they can now start shipping all this stuff. Cause base manufacturing is fucked. Like the supply chain is oh, fucked yeah. at this point. Um, Big time. I would wait that one out. General electric for sure. Yeah. Um, Carnival's another one. I bought Carnival stock. Um, the as, cruise line. Oh fuck. Yeah, dude. As soon as Trump, I, I bought it way too early. It was down to seven. I got in at 1798. It's up to 1636. 16. And yep. that thing was at a high of 56 
And Trump named them by name in a press conference. There's no fucking way they're not coming back. <laughs> what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. There's no fucking way. And dude, ever, who's not going to want a vacation? And you fucking have all of a sudden now I can get a shot and I'm Corona free. Bitch, I'm I'm going on a cruise. And I'm getting some sunshine. Like that's going to happen. <laughs> Definitely um, get that vitamin D. No doubt. I bought Delta Airlines at 24. So I'm up a hundred bucks on Delta, 9%. Uh, Excellent. Ooh. Delta's my favorite airline. Boeing was the buy that I should. Boeing was down to $90 a share. I got in at 332 thinking long-term. Um, and right now they're at 138. Boeing's another one oh, that Trump's wow. named by name in his press conference. And I'm like, Boeing's going to fucking make it. He's just giving leads, eh? Dude, wow. he is. He is. Um, yeah. And then I look he's at my- He's a businessman. Ex- dude and that's what i'm saying that's all relational shit so he's gonna make sure these fuckers like they might not even have to pay their bail money bailout money back you know yeah they've got millions they're huge yeah um i can't believe i went on that long going through my fidelity stock portfolio yeah and then i look at my pot stocks and i'm like you fucking idiot like why did you spend 700 dollars on cush holdings because fucking <laughs> Motley Fool told you that they're like a great supply company for pot edibles. And you're like, oh, it was fuck all it. the rage. I know you went along with it. I did too. Dude. And that bitch is at 71 cents a share. And I bought it at fucking $5 and 66 cents a share. Like what the fuck is <sighs> dude? It's just crushing. And I got a bunch of those in the portfolio that just, they, they depress me. I know you just want to cut them off from the other, right? The others. Cause they just bring it down. It's like the bad apple. Yeah, they do. They, they really do, man. Um, but anyway, Jesus, why did why are we talking stocks? Like, how the fuck am I going to be like, how, how do you even like whatever frame this so that people know like, oh, yeah, we're into acting and independent films and then stocks. a deep dive into Sean's portfolio. So now whenever whoever figures out my password can fucking hack it and sell it and then they'll take my bank account. God, no way. I mean, with the three time triple identification multi-factor they, they ain't getting in anywhere we're true. fine i mean knowledge is power too that's why like my brother-in-law constantly is listening to joe rogan it's like background noise for me and like i kind of tap in from time to time and i'm like i learned so much from these you know individuals these talking heads like you if you listen there's so much knowledge that you can that you can gain and i mean you're an educator so the way that you presented that was just seamless oh dude well so i'll tell you why because I deal, I'm also a basketball coach and I try to get those at-risk kids and they mm-hmm. don't want to do math. Well, you pull up a fucking spreadsheet and I'm like, I'm like, hey man, hey, hey, Ty, come here. Mark, come here. Um, Do you think I should make $1,000 right now by hitting this button? Or you think I should wait and like think I can make two? And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, dude, it's that easy. This is why math matters. And like you start showing them graphs mm-hmm. and it almost made me want to start my own curriculum. You've turned this fucking podcast into a me podcast, by the way. Yeah, I just hit that just hit me midstream. Um, <laughs> well, this this is life. This is this is connecting. You know. Yeah. No, you're right. Um. So I really wish each kid. Um. So you think of the freedom dividend where everybody gets a hundred dollars. They're the st- like we just got stimulus checks. I got twelve hundred dollars stimulus check. You know, and I bought Delta stock yeah. with it. Um. Because I'm fortunate enough to still have my job. Well, yeah. what if fucking each kid for math had a thousand or a hundred bucks? And your math lesson was like, yeah, man, you can pay attention to what I'm teaching you about these stocks, or you can just fucking pick whatever Nike stock and lose all your money real quick, or maybe make a bunch of money like you're a gambler. Like, what do you want mm-hmm. to do? Or um, even with legalized gambling and parlays and shit, um, like there's a science to making money when you gamble that I had no fucking idea about. And then you start- what, with like blackjack? No, with- Or sport- not with roulette, rather? No, sports betting. 
Oh, sports betting, really? Oh, Jesus, dude. And I'm not as good as this one guy that I work with. I don't know if he wants me to put his name out there, but this motherfucker. <laughs> Fred. Yeah, no. right. We'll call him Fred. Um, what's it really? Yeah. Um, he got into this weird, like, double, triple parlay thing where you're making like 47 bets within 10. And it's like, yeah, man, you put out 20 bucks, but if you wind up hitting by picking favorites, you can fucking hit like 15 grand. So that's what the brackets, right? Um, somewhat. You can actually just do it on a Saturday with like all the games that are going on. Hmm. So yeah, you go to a couple gambling sites and you try to triangulate data of like what different sites are picking different winners as far as favorites. And normally if you pick a favorite, you don't make any money. Like if you bet a hundred and the person, the team's favored, you might make 20. So you clear 120, you get your hundred back and you make 20. Where, mm-hmm. if you, where if you pick the loser, the loser might get you $400 for your 100. So you right. then you make five. So most times people try to pick losers who can upset. Well, See, and I didn't know the sorcery behind that because I'm one of those people that would choose one of my favorite teams like, oh, Detroit Pistons and this and that right? okay. just Li- because you merely like them. Exactly. Lions can kill eagles. So yes, oh, lions will win. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's painful. Even yeah. the Detroit Red Wings, my boys, they hadn't had a great year. So yeah, it's, life. it's been a while for the Detroit sports scene has just been fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so to finish that up, what this dude does is on a college day, there'll be 70 games on a Saturday, college basketball. Mm-hmm. So you triangulate and you find 12 winners and you put them all against each other. And by combining them and saying, basically, they're all going to win, you flip all the odds into actually what's a negative. So then your money, if it pays off, is triple, quadrupled, fucking 1,000 times made. So you put 20 bucks on and you can make $1,500. Wow. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Do you teach math? I don't. I'm a reading specialist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, that's cool. But the gambling part is another, and I again, it's like a fucked up thing where it's like, do you want kids to gamble? But if you look at the people, when you go to casinos who are gambling, it's like, wouldn't we be in, we teach them about credit. We teach them about, mm-hmm. you know, um, loans and interest and why not to take car loans or um, mm-hmm. payday loans. Why not? Dave like, Ramsey told me that. <laughs> right? Like, why not? fucking help them to understand what gambling is if they're culturally and their parents are doing it and they're going to grow up doing it. Why not make yeah. that part of the curriculum stocks and gambling and like, who's at fucking least be not, prepared. No doubt. Who's not paying attention to that class. Yo, I'm going to help you to make money stocks that you might have to claim and help you to make money gambling. Like who's not all in on that class. There's so many things in the curriculum that are left out, like life skills, doing your taxes, you know, just the simple things, cooking. Yeah. I mean, we had cooking class, but we were in this oversized kitchen, like right. making pizza dough. I mean, it wasn't the most practical, but there's there's a lot of things. And I think that it takes teachers like you and individuals to kind of slide these type of conversations in there and make the kids feel involved in, in, in a way that they can relate to it. Yeah, there's no fucking way I could go to a board meeting and be like, so what I want to do with our math curriculum is give children $100 a marking period to buy stocks and $10 that I'll go up to the casino and place multiple bets for them with. I promise <laughs> that I'll give them the money back if they hit. And when they lose, it's going to be a life lesson. <laughs> yeah, no, sometimes you have to have those lessons to reference. Like, ow, that hurt. Let me not touch that burner again. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's one of those like theoretical things where I'm like, man, that would be a, I could see that being a high interest for kids who normally don't find interest in 
worksheets of like, why the fuck do I care about division or understanding decimals or fractions Mm -hmm. or statistics even, you know, like, okay, well, why do I care about reading a fucking graph and knowing what trends are and impacts, you know, and like Mm -hmm. zooming out, zooming in and, oh, why do I care about knowing how to Google so that I can read or even using headings and reports, the information for fucking stocks is overwhelming if you don't know how to skim through it and find what's important. I mean, it really it can is. be. It is. And it's, it's mm-hmm. a fucking, it's not no different than a textbook, but it's real life applications to help kids. Absolutely. Look at that. that that's awesome. I haven't, Jesus, I haven't we just taught solved, any kids before. We just solved the world's education problems. There it is. Fucking A. Online Take school. Note. Senate members, invite Sean to your next meeting. I'll, yeah, I'll have a PowerPoint, a two slide PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll bring Fred with me and he'll fucking, there and, you go. And what you guys you will do. And yeah, they'll like, they'll block the notes. They'll be like, all this shit's redacted. And then they're all going to run to the casino and place bets based on Fred's tips. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So have you dealt with education up in, have you actually, let me ask this. Are you like a Canadian Canadian? You were born in Canada and you've just lived there. Yeah. I was born in Canada. I've lived here my whole life. Um, I think the reason I haven't left is because of family and, you know, friends and it's people, right? You, you're, you're, right. you're connected to people and you don't want to be away from them. But my mom grew up in Detroit, Michigan area. So I have that dual citizenship and everyone says to me like, Blair, like, why haven't you gone to the States? Well, I'm still here. I went to school here. I lived at home. It was free board. You know, I got a scholarship for my, what I majored in. No way. You actually got a scholarship for theater dramatic arts and then communication studies i added communication studies because i knew that would get me the career okay but dramatic arts was my my passion too so my parents were like hey follow your dreams but also they wanted me to work hard you know so i tried to get that honor roll every time and i think i got my first job at age 15 and I've never stopped working. So they, they taught me how to be responsible and things like things like that. I worked in a library for the first time and I was just surrounded by books and would just read for hours. And, and so basically you were a terrible employee. You were getting paid to like serve people, <laughs> put books away, and you're like, nah, fuck it, man. I'm just going to hop in the corner. This is a real comfy chair. In the corner. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm actually picturing myself like that. On my breaks, I mean, I would, but in the back, I was yeah, you know, repairing right. books. I hope, and- I hope they find you, and they come back and find you. <laughs> I owe them like a mere like two grand for my, my negligence. No, but yeah. it, it was it was a nice, you know, easy first job. And then when I went into university, some of the classes that I could do were internships for oh, credit. Oh, man. That's fucking, Which dude, internship really cool. is the way to go for education, man. Definitely. It's like that hands-on, whereas, you know, college is more hands-on, university is more academic and things like that. But right. I went to a couple local media and broadcasting companies and I got to work the camera and meet people. Um, like one of the most interesting people I met was this guy named Craig McFarland and he was a blind athlete and just oh, interviewing shit. him. He was so inspirational. It's like, just seeing outside the box in the real world before you're literally thrown in two feet and saying, Hey, where can I find an entry level position? God. Oh, so was that the communication part of the degree? Like working the cameras, yes. doing interviews, news anchor type stuff? Yeah. You know, they say that if you, the more skills that you have in this industry, the better, because you know, if, if time comes and they say, wow, we need you to, you know, get behind the camera or can you do this aspect? You're saying, Hey, I can do multiple things, you know, right. jack of all trades. 
and it really is an advantage for you. Dude, I think that's, I dude, that was my philosophy. So you asked me if I taught math, like, no, I don't teach math, but I have taught math because I'm certified to teach math. And I'm like, I think I'm literally certified as a teacher to do fucking 12, 13 different things. Like, like if a job just popped up, I'm like, yeah, okay. And like my current job, I was like, Hey man, I'll get it. And then I'll go get certified if you guys believe enough in me. And then I just went and got That's certified awesome. in that. But I think you I did take this, initiative. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing like in restaurants, you know, like if you're a busser, don't just be a fucking busser, learn how to do dishes and learn how to prep and learn how to bartend, learn how to wait. Like the more yes. value you bring, learn how to host, learn how to manage, right? The more value you bring, the more value you have. And the more jobs Definitely. that you can have, the more opportunity, you know, it's that, that's and super work smart. on yourself, like work on, on your skills and your, and your resume, because you have to invest in yourself. I mean, like I'm all for collaborating and helping others too. Like, you know, when you ever talk to someone and they're just like so passionate about something, like say it's sewing, right. And you, you really don't care about sewing. You, you know, for me, it's something I have no patience for, but they have that passion in their eyes when they talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you could say like, wow, like I really love fashion or how cool is it that you can customize your own clothes? You know, it's never shutting anyone down because you never know when you can connect with them and how you guys can help each other. Right. So why didn't you get into the, um, or maybe you did get into it, the whole um, like interview, like start as the weather girl, get like the best job <laughs> kind of a thing? Like, yeah. Or did you try My and husband. then acting? you know what, with the, with the broadcasting internship, I had to do a project. I still remember how it went, you know, with the voice and everything. It was like, um, trails, you don't have to look very far to find one near you. <laughs> it's like using like the, the, the skills and, and the voice, but it was something that like that type of position to me is something that's so performative day in and day out. Like, how can that not oh. exhaust you? Like you have to like look your best and you, you can't be sick and you have to get like all the sleep. And I mean, it always interested me, but maybe not in a long-term way. And you just wanted to fucking party and live it up in Vegas <laughs> and like, yo, hey, it's I Tuesday. It's times. Tuesday. Happy hours now. Happy night. So we're um, right. Huh. You know, American sitcoms have always turned me on to those happy hour scenarios. I mean, how often they happen are, are not too often, but you know, everyone goes out with their martinis. Like, what a life. Jesus, yeah, that city live in. Is it not like that in Windsor? Like, and I know nothing yeah. about Windsor. It seems like a pretty kick, kick-ass kick town. Is it, like, is it a fairly large city? It's a fairly large city. Um, we have about 240, 250,000 people. And we're right on the border of Detroit. So we'll right. get Americans that can come over to drink because our legal drinking age is age 19 oh. um, rather than 21. Is I think a, in Quebec, it's like 18. Is it a bridge or a ferry to get over? It's a bridge, the Ambassador oh, okay. Bridge. Oh. It's featured in one of Eminem's music videos. I think it's the one, um, Eight Mile. Oh, no. Or Lose Yourself, rather. No yeah. fucking way. That was, oh my God. Yeah, good old Marshall. So <clears throat> we have like strip clubs and, and bars and things and like things like that. We also have great restaurants and a great arts community and, and scene and you know, the local whiff challenge I told you about, we have fashion shows. Like it's, it's a really tight knit community and, um, yeah, I haven't left, like I said. Right. No, it's, it, it seems like a, um, it, it's cool to have city stuff without like city population as far like, Dude, so is, par totally. is parking pretty easy over there or does it fucking yes. suck to park? No, parking is relatively easy. We are not a big yeah. city like Toronto. I feel like Toronto, <sighs> 
it's kind of like a wannabe New York. I'm not knocking it. Oh. It's, it's fun oh. to go over there, but I just don't, Fucking I don't feel it. <laughs> Step up your Canadian game. Embrace yourself, right. bitch. You're your own country. Right? No, I know. But I, I was never drawn to Toronto. If you're going across, how easy is it if you're going, what was the name of the bridge again? Ambassador. The Ambassador Bridge. Do they have, um, they got to have like a checkpoint for customs, right? To go back oh, yeah. and forth. So like, how easy is that? Or do you like go over there and you're 18, you just get hammered, you grab an Uber back, <laughs> you show your passport and you're good to go? Or are they checking your bags for all like the six packs that you bought? Well, yeah, you have to declare alcohol, but there's something called the tunnel bus. So when you go over like for a concert or for an NHL game or a festival or things like that, you have to go through customs and have your ID and open your bag and things like that. But I finally caved and I got what's called a Nexus Pass. And so it really helps with traveling even at airports. You don't get as interrogated. Is it's that, like you're the most innocent person walking in, but you're meant you you just kind of feel like guilty, like, oh my gosh, like what do I have? Like, do I have something? You know, right. like it's sort of like facade. How do you qualify for a Nexus pass? It's a pretty lengthy process and you have to go in person for an interview. Um, of course, no criminal background. Um, uh, okay. It's $150. But you scan it, you still have to see a border guard, but they're just like, oh, like you went through this lengthy process. You're fine, but everyone in the car with you has to have the pass as well. Gotcha, so gotcha. yeah, it's just me and my husband that have it at this point. So if there's anyone out there looking for a good drug mule, they're going to want to go on Craigslist <laughs> and look for someone who's certified Nexus. <laughs> and that Underneath is, the car. Oh that, my goodness. That is your I mean, they still got the canine, so. Right. Man, Jesus. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, I feel like I'd heard about that, but I didn't realize. Um, I, it, it's almost like a social class thing though. Cause like how many people who don't have means like will get that for when they travel. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just mm-hmm. more to, I, like, I hear that and I hear more of like a separation. It's, it's interesting that you like trust this person that will fill out paperwork and has 150 bucks. Yeah, most definitely. And that there's no one, you know, in the trunk or, or anything. It's really good for day commuters. And there's no and one that in, the in the trunk. The <laughs> shout, shout out. Maybe you're thinking that cause of Eminem, I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm hoping you're thinking that because of Eminem. My morbid, no, just my morbid mind. Oh, you're thinking Stan. That didn't even come to my mind. That's hilarious. Exactly. Like, come on, Haley, help Daddy get Mama out of the trunk. (laughs) Yeah, type of shit. (laughs) We're just going for a walk. Yeah, she's swimming. Say bye bye. Tell Mama you love her. His mom. His mom used to come play bingo in Canada. Shut up. True story. Why? Like why I, would, I think the American dollar goes farther here and maybe uh, she established a nice little community of people that like to play midnight bingo. How do you know that? Is that just something people talk about in bars? Like, yeah, I just beat yeah, up Kim Mathers. Yeah, like a fun fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, winter's, winter's good. Like, you know, it's, it's important to see other places, though, and other cultures and, you know, not just limit yourself to, to one city. Have you lived... In uh, is it Delaware your whole life? We prefer to call it Delaware. Delaware, yeah. are we? Yeah, that's the um, Wayne's World reference. Um, that I'm oh, actually getting. I, lo- yeah. <laughs> I love Wayne's World. Oh my goodness, my Over. stepdaughter and I were Wayne and Garth for Halloween. That it was awesome. Holy shit! How many people got the reference? I think millennials. Um, like I introduced it to her because she hadn't known. Like she's still young, but. I think um, it's becoming more of an iconic movie. 
Is it? Like, I wonder if when it's coming back, you know, because everything's cycling, especially now with being quarantined. Like, you wonder, is there going to be the Wayne's World renaissance? Right. Like, what's trending right now? Even, you know, actors like Jim Carrey in the 90s. I've followed his career through and through. I just watched the movie Sonic. (laughs) He was pretty hilarious playing the villain in that. I miss him. Dude, he... So, talk about not staying in your role. Um, What was the... Was it the movie that was the number 21 where he just goes off the fucking deep end and goes crazy and like sees 23, 23 yes. dude, cult fucking classic. That should have been Oscar. That was mind blowing. That messed me up. That was kind of like the butterfly effect where yes. I would show like these different scenarios. Dude. Yes. Ashton Kutcher I'm was another one. Huge that fucking, believer in that. Aren't you a huge believer in butterfly effect? The butterfly effect. Like for example, when I met my husband, I was meant to go out for my daily coffee at good old Tim Hortons. We love our Canadian coffee. And for some reason, maybe I was busy or just didn't do it. I didn't go out for coffee. And my husband came in where he was my husband at the time, future husband. And he was soliciting his business. And I'm just like, wow, like who is this guy? You know? And the rest was history. Wait, wait, hold on. Wait, 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 stay stay in that moment for a minute. When you said, who is this guy? Cause he's just wearing, like he has great chinos it's it's like the it's the lumberjack flannel and the beard that's getting you. It was um, the hair. I saw him from a two way window where you can see outside, but they can't see in. And I was like, "This guy isn't from around here." Like, I hope he comes in this office, you know. And like when he walked in, I literally stood up. I was like, "Hi, like nice to meet you." I was like a receptionist at the time. No doubt. Like, hello. Staking your you claim. Like, bitches, I got him. Step back. Yeah. Like, hello. <laughs> Taken. But um. Yeah, so my husband and I married three years this May, um, and I'm just, I'm just like, wow, like if I would have been gone out, I would never would have met him, I never would have had this oh. life, like there's so many different scenarios and rabbit holes and choices that you can go down, it's like endless, it's like choose your own adventure, and some things are by choice, and some things are by fate. Yeah, so then that would lead me to think of the John Cusack movie, um, Serendipity, Yes. Where like yes. they kept missing out, but was it fate that had them getting together? So yes. ultimately, so then you would be a butterfly effect believer over serendipity. Which side are you on? Ooh, I think it's a little bit of both. Can't. I do. Pick I feel aside, like the universe aside, will send black. you signs and leads, but it's up to you to accept it, you know? Oh. Okay. So I had... Kylie, Kylin, Kylene. I, I I fucked up her name because she spelled it like K Y L E E N, and it I just kept call, I just kept butchering it. So I'm sorry if she actually listened. Kylie, Kylie. <laughs> right. Um. So she had this great story about she asked the sign or she asked the universe for a sign, and it was play Usher and Justin Bieber three times in 24 hours, and the shit happened, and then like she went all in on this no. relationship. Yeah. So she was the first one that I'd gone down the rabbit hole conversationally about like twin flames and soul groups and the mm-hmm, universe like mm-hmm. meaning people are you like a zodiacer where you're into that or you're just more like surface level butterfly effect ripple um, i'm good there i i definitely get deep i mean like i'm a taurus at heart and i can always find ways to justify things and you know for example i feel like the universe is is on our side and like i said giving you tips and things like that and if you ask you shall receive. And one of the cool things for me with the situation was, um, you know, those Jones soda bottles, they have them in the States, right? Um, There's like photos on them. No, I'm not familiar at all. Jones soda bottles. 
I don't think so. Yeah. This is something where I'm, I guess I'll keep biting Joe Rogan. I felt weird like typing while people were talking because I think like they can hear the click and it makes them feel like I'm no, not, not invested. No, not at all. Not at all. But I feel like that's something when I start talking to people, I need to be like, Jones, soda bottle. Just I was literally know. looking up every stock you were saying. Were you? So. you better fucking mark them, man. Winners. Nothing but winners here. Um, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, maybe well, I'll I start another. I can't buy stocks in the States, but I'll yeah. Start another IG page and I'll just be like fucking stock tips from the getting to know you pod. <laughs> insider trading. Um, Jones, I would do that on YouTube. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, no. Yo, Jones Soda. So no, I don't think I've seen them, but they're like almost like craft sodas where they just got a bunch of weird yes. ass cool fucking pictures on them. Yeah. So when I was young, like I would always buy these because I was so like obsessed with the photos. Some of them are very vague, but others just like tell a story kind of like humans of New York without the words. Yeah. And I'm like, man, like, wouldn't it be so cool? To just like be on the bottle. Like I just I want to be on the bottle. Like, oh, call you it the ego. Spoke it into call existence. It you, you know where this is going. So I'm like, I'm gonna submit a photo. I'm gonna be in the photo because I wanna be on the bottle. Right. And kind of put it out there. Uh, I was at work. I get a call. Blair, you have you have a letter here. I think that you are gonna be interested in what it's who it's from. I'm like, oh my god, like who? And they're like Joan Soda, and I'm like, no way that this this is going to be like a rejection letter. Thank you for applying. Like, here's a free soda. But they're like, congratulations, we chose your photo. La la la. I was like, no way. Like, this was just something that I had an idea for, and I just put it out there, and boom, it happened. So I think it's sort of cosmic when things like that unroll. Oh, interesting. So, so then when I found the actual case with all my sodas, we have like all this green apple soda in the fridge. It's like <laughs> spiking my, my blood sugar, but they're pretty delicious. I like the cream soda as well. Yeah. They, they seem like they're one of those where like, if you have it, it's like a Red Bull type rush that you're going to get afterwards. Yeah. It's very sweet, but it's, it's just such a cool concept. Like, and they Dude, choose the photos. Like you can't like bribe your way in there. Like if you kind of like, you know, match our brand and what we're all about, we'll, we'll pick. What was, did you take the photo of you or did you have someone take it for you? I had someone take it. It's me like driving in a car. And so the whole thing for me with like soda and stuff like that, I kind of feel like it's what you get on road trips. Like, you know, you stop at a gas station, you get a soda, you get a bag of chips and it's a whole vibe, you know? Right. So that was pretty interesting. There's a lot of things that can happen in life if you just ask for it or try or you're not completely eaten by fear you know fear eats the soul it's another great independent movie oh is that a movie too yeah it's one of the films i watched in my film class we watched a lot of foreign films we were introduced to like coppola and fellini all the greats all the greats so how did you seal the deal with your husband when he came in like did he get did you (laughs) just flirt like to make sure he knew like dude take my fucking number or oh yeah, like he the still has one? the business card that I put my number on. I'm like, this guy is not getting away without like, without my number. And like, it's so crazy because you feel like you envision <clears throat> your your partner. It's like, you know, I I had a friend who was trying to like set me up with this guy, and she was like, oh, he has a kid. And I'm like, mm, I really don't know if I would like date anyone with kids, you know, because uh... you have this idea in your head. Meanwhile, my husband is quite a bit older than me, and he has he has two children, so. You can't just like put your your type or your expectation into a box because you're literally denying yourself opportunities that just don't look like what you think it's going to look like. 
Does that go to your universe mentality of like, you know what you want, but you just don't know what it's, how it's going to be or what it's going to exactly. be. Exactly. Like? You've uh, read a book or two on this, haven't you? No, I just pretty open to, um, to, I don't even know what the fuck, like you don't want to say spirits or spirituality. Cause I guess people, most people would go like religion mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not the dude that like, if you said that to me, I'm going to fucking Christ shame you and be like, no, except the blood of Christ. He died for your sins. I'm worried you're going to hell. Like I've never, Jesus is my homeboy, you know, like I'm I'm not about to have like a full in-depth conversation about religion with someone. But if like, if someone was like, you know, Muslim or an atheist, like that's fine. Like do you, I'm still going to say like, Jesus is my homeboy. Right. And I guess, so, so I don't mind listening when people say it and I'll ask questions, not in like a condescending, like, Oh, I'm trying to get you to give answers that I can then rebut to lead you to spirituality or whatever, you know? I hate that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's a dick move because no one can be forced to love. Like how, how did that, how did fucking mail order brides work? You want to force people to love. How's that going for you? Right. You can't Um, buy love. So no, yeah, just listening. Um, and Kylie really did like, I mean, dude, I think she might've told me about it for, or not told me about it. We were talking about it for maybe 30, 40 minutes, dude. Cause I was just so like, what? Like then explain blah, 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 blah. Um, so yeah, it's I don't, so interesting. I don't, no, it is. And it, it's, it's a real interesting concept. And I almost wonder, it made me think like, so if you can talk things into existence, it led me to be like, I can pray myself prosperity gospel. That's what it, I'm fucking on the, another podcast. I was trying to think of what it is. Prosperity, prosperity gospel, gospel, where you like talk yourself into wealth and be like, today's going to be the day that God blesses me with a hundred dollars versus universe. I could really use a hundred dollars. Well, versus I already have a hundred dollars. I just need to wait for it to unfold into my life. Oh, so you took what, where I was going was the whole, like, who the fuck am I to ask these beings that have power to tell, like, if they're the powerful (laughs) gatekeeper type things, who the fuck am I to be like, yo, I'm getting that hundred dollars. So universe, God, give it up. So it, but the thing is, like, they have your back totally, and, and there's enough to go around for, for everyone. Like, everyone is deserving, you know? So you're looking at – see, I was taking it with, like, humans and their fucking hubris. And I found out the word hubris based on listening to podcasts <laughs> about billions, so I try to slip it in because I had no I idea. I love that. No I idea love that. Learn a new word every day. Right? Um, but the hubris of people and, you know, self-centeredness, especially if you're a single child. It's all about me. Um, what, 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 this car cut me off. I should be able to be first in line. Whatever, like – I feel oh, like yeah. the universe thing almost plays to people's hubris where they feel they're in control and they have some power and you're almost using hmm. the universe. And like God, like, okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's like the ego. Yeah. I think with that just has to come gratitude. And if you, when your head hits the pillow every night and you're like, I'm a good person, like there's no reason that you, you can't deserve, you know, the things that you, that you want in life. So now, I think it does not hurt to ask. Yeah, I don't I guess I don't think either. I was just it's funny how um if people it, it also reminds me of the joke of like you're waiting for help and the the tide's rising on your house and you're on the roof. Right. And it's like the boat comes like, no, nah, God's gonna save me. And you're like, No, 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 God's gonna save me. And then you die, you go to heaven, you're like, What the fuck, man? And he's like, dude, I sent like four different people. What what the fuck's up for with you? you? Right. God helps those who help themselves. Like, yeah. He's not gonna do everything, you know? Yeah. And I guess that goes to the work ethic thing. And it's funny how like you can classify it as like, I believe the universe brought my husband into my life, and people might be like, She's a fucking kook. But if, but, but if you were like, yeah, you know, I, I just, 
I, I saw him and I knew, and it was love that brought him into my life. You'd be like, yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, it was meant to-. you know what I'm saying? You put a word I on know. it and then all of a sudden it gets this whole different connotation to it, which I always I find know. interesting how to like market it, you know? Yeah, no, no, for sure. Cause there's some people who, who's like thinking is black and white or, you know, have their opinions on it. And I know it can come off sounding weird, but there's just something about that day. It's like seven years later, like, where would I be? Where would I be? Now, did you tell him at some point or have you told him like, yeah, the universe brought you to me? Yeah. Oh yeah. No way. Like first date, first drink or what? (laughs) I think maybe once we like seal the deal, you're just like looking around, like he took me to Europe for the first time and I'm like walking the streets of Portugal and I'm like, you literally like, this was manifested because of you. Like, thank you for coming into my life, you know? Right. So I always try to look for those different opportunities and they may not come how you think they're going to come, but just, I feel like you should always say yes first and then kind of figure out the why or the how later. Yeah. That's another thing. Does, does the universe, cause a lot of people do approach stuff. It's funny, like default, you tend to trust people, but when people ask you stuff, typically your gut response is like, no. And you get very protective. I find mm-hmm. And the say yes, another Jim Carrey, great Jim Carrey movie, right? Yes, man. Um, yes. Right. The so whole, many. Yeah. Uh, the whole say yes mentality. I think it actually was like a movement at some point, right? Like this self empowerment and venture thing that people easily forget. Mm-hmm. I definitely want him to write a book or something because he's like woke these days and he has a lot of interesting dialogue going around. Have you seen the art that he fucking makes his paintings? I saw a piece that he made after his girlfriend passed on. It was very dark and very chaotic, but almost just brilliant at the same time. Yeah. Oh dude, Carrie art. I'm Googling right now because I thought he just shit on Trump too, which was awesome. Oh yeah. He's very, he's known for doing that. Yeah, there it is. The swamp thing, dude. Yeah. His art. I hadn't, I'm looking to see the part about his girlfriend. I I don't know if it's surreal, but it is fucking amazing. And like, it's Mm -hmm. art that I would buy because it's cartoon caricature-ish. Yeah, he draws Trump a lot, eh? Dude, with color galore, that is just full of satire. Like he got one where he nailed Bill Cosby, you know? And it's just just a portrait of Bill Cosby and you absolutely fucking know why he did it. You know, like you got the gray beard yeah. and the wrinkles and it's just like the dude's worn because of everything he went through. And yep. you start fucking thinking of Jim Carrey and it makes me realize how fucking lame and untalented I am. Oh, God. well, he's a rubber face mastermind from Canada at that. Yeah, right? No, dude, fucking In Living Color was the game changer to be oh like, wait, gosh. white people can get along and be a part of black culture? I'm like, I'm all yeah. in. I'm all in. Where's Absolutely. my basketball? <laughs> you know, and like- that was a breakthrough kind of role. Um, to, I remember those days before yeah. SNL, just before Kids in the Hall made their breakthrough. Oh, Kids in the Hall. Weren't they all Canadian too? Or am I wrong about that? Um, gosh, I wish I would know. Don't quote me. Kids in the Hall. My mom was obsessed with them. I think she had like the box set. Because um, <laughs> they were the idiots that was like, I'm squishing your head. <laughs> he would just sit there on the park bench. And it was like, I'm picking so you good. up. I'm picking you up. And like that shit came back with kids 
that I teach, I want to say it was like two, three years ago. You're on a bus. No way. Dude, you pull up on a bus. So like you go, the the most awkward fucking time of your morning as a teacher is like, if you're ever pulled up next to a bus and you're about to see the kids and the fucking kids are just going ape shit. And you're like, dude, I'm about to see you in five minutes. What the fuck? So I'm looking in the window and you can see him like squishing my head. And I'm like, whatever, Maddie, Maddie. I'm like, Maddie, what the fuck were you doing? She was like, I was squishing your head. <laughs> oh like, my gosh. That's idiot. so funny. Jesus, you idiot. I love you and I love your idiocy. You idiots. <laughs> How old are these kids? Are they generation, what is it, X or Y? Middle school. Generation I, Y? You know, I can't remember. I've been teaching a little over a decade now, so I don't know the cross oh, wow. generational stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm more middle school guy, so picture ten. It was probably younger because younger kids have younger kids aren't afraid to look stupid because when they look stupid, they just giggle and like they don't have that awareness conscious of being judged. So they'll They're just in do, the moment, yeah, yeah, dude. And it's so fucking great. It's hard to keep them. You can focused. learn a lot. Oh Jesus, yeah. Um, by the time kids hit eighth grade, it's all like, Lord help a kid in eighth grade that realizes they said something profound that will make people think because all they'll do is get judged and put down. And then, then they like shut down if they're not used to it, you know, it's, um, right. It's kind of oh, for sad. sure. When they question the norm, it's like, and then they get pushed down. Like, I feel like yeah. that affects their, their confidence, especially if they don't have people that believe in them. Oh, like yeah. when I was in grade six, that was one of the most brutal times of my life. Like teen, like young kids are mean. Like <laughs> they made musicals about mean why girls. You know, it's, it's no joke. Why is that? Have you ever tried to theorize why do kids, why are they so awesome? But then you put them together and they fucking suck. They're like ruthless piranha, ruthless emotional Savage. piranhas. I know. It's like a mixture of like upbringing and hierarchy and like everyone having their turn and, you know, status and, you know, trying right. to please your best friend. Like, oh my gosh. Like when I was younger, I made my friends like everything. And even my boyfriends, like it was like they were my everything. And so now it's like when I have some time on my hands, I'm like, I'm just trying to do things for me because sort of like idolize people. And I think that's, that's kind of unhealthy, you know? Yeah. Well, cause people, well, so that's it, right? Like if you're going to it, like, where does that desire come from? Come is, from. Is that the universe giving us that desire or have mm. we, have we like breathed that desire in by what we've seen? Or if we were on an Island and you just put 10 kids on an Island, by the time they're 13, would they be in clicks? And fucking hate each that other. That would be a freaking cool social experiment to do. Right? Like, what's the number where, like, because if you get two or three kids together, even if they fucking hate each other, eventually they'll be cool with each other because they're like, you know, it's us. There are two, three. Yeah, of us. we got to like coexist and, you know, we, we learn from our differences. I think with children, they can be very forgiving too. Like, towards the end of the, the class year, it's like you're all friends again, but those right? times can be pretty traumatic. Yeah, I, I often wonder why people, why it gets that way. Because then it's like, if that's how you act as a kid, and most of the time you're like, kids, you have to kind of teach them like whatever social norms, spacing, don't stare, uh, whatever, like mm-hmm. don't, don't, don't fart whenever you feel the need to fart, man. Like that's not <laughs> Manners, cool, right? Yeah. yeah, basic stuff. But then like, you also have to teach them like almost sometimes how to be a friend. And you're like, why, yeah. why do I have to like, would I, I feel like, do dogs do that? If you leave dogs, if you left a dog with all their litter, would they eventually just be like, man, I'm not fucking hanging with you. And they're out. <laughs> Or is there something in people that like makes us want to put people down or like find a social status place? I don't know. I've always mm. wondered if that's like innate or if that's something cultural that happens. I can't help but think of like back when we talked about like Nazis or like even the Romans, like the Romans were so cruel. Like 
their behavior just was sort of like the extreme extent of how far humans can go, even in like death camps. And, you know, it's just like, wow, like what made them go to that opposite part of the spectrum? Whereas what, what kind the of other behaviors? spectrum is Are love. you talking about gladiator kind of stuff? Or are you just talking about how they left people in the streets or? The works. I mean, just, just behaviors that had nothing to do with, you know, human empathy or, uh, okay. or compassion. It was just a matter of, how can I get ahead or how can I sort of have this like royalty status? Yeah. Cause it was status. It wasn't empathy or like you said, empathy or like seeing, not seeing people as humans, not realizing your servant is a human who should be yeah. respected. Absolutely. Like what, where, where do they, where does that sort of bleed into something else? I mean, like when does a human no longer become a human? They're now like an object. Dude. So something that tripped me out, talking about reading. I was reading about how the um, constitution and the bill of rights was passed in America. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't explicitly said in the book, but it, it, and I never really thought about it. So all these guys are fighting over federal rights and how that happens. And it's basically a numbers game where like, what's Mm -hmm. your population? The more population you have, the more representatives you have, therefore the more power you have, therefore the more, the more influence you have for your little region because they were still very state centric. They didn't want to be a part of this big federal thing because they were like, fuck mm-hmm. federal rules. We like our states. So kind of sounds like Quebec with Canada, but go on. Oh really? All right. Let me ask you about that in a second. So, and I'm also trying to get better at like writing notes. Cause I do this stream of conscious thing where I just forget shit. Um, so then you bring in slavery and they never mention, I, I believe slaves are not actually mentioned as far as the word slaves in the constitution, but why were they three fifths of a person? Why were they not a whole person? And you get into this thing of those fuckers only wanted to count slaves to help their population. And the only That's reason fact. they wanted, and this is not said in the book, this is what I'm saying in my head. I'm like, you fucking people are acting like you're righteously against slavery and I really wonder deep down in your dark moment, you're going to bed thinking, you know, if we just freed these slaves, uh, we could get 1 million, our population would increase by 1 million. We'd have three more representatives and that would allow us to dictate law. I'm like, were you fuckers thinking that instead of this like almost iconic America's freeing slaves type thing? Wow. You like know? some sort of alter, alter motive, yeah, like, ulterior motive. Yeah. But then you present it in this other way of like, we're about freedom. And how can we be a country about freedom and individual rights if we don't free individuals? Right. I, I don't know. It, Lady it, Liberty. Right. And it made me think like, yeah, you didn't see people as people, man. Like that's so yeah. fucking odd to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it's hard for me I to know. understand that mindset. And the author had to keep helping the reader to be like, remember, this is the 1700s with all these other fucking norms going on. It was common to think this way versus right. now where you're like schooled on empathy. Um, definitely totally different time the 18th century things that went down it was like who who was was in charge here you know dude nobody that was the fucking thing it was amazing Mm -hmm. you couldn't get word to people and fucking like i had no idea rhode island just boycotted the whole fucking thing rhode island was like yeah we ain't showing up for shit (laughs) wow i was like what the fuck are you serious rhode island was just like now we're good being rhode island y'all motherfuckers figure it out and then at the very end they were like all right i guess if everyone's in we'll be the 13th people um I was amazed. I was amazed by the shit. Definitely. Definitely. So would you say that you are a history buff in that respect? Like, do you always? Oh, um, absolutely. Since it took me a month and a half to read 220 pages. And that was the first history book I've read um, ever. 
So yes. Just like rereading the same paragraph over and over again. The words this motherfucker used have never made me feel more inadequate and inept as a speaker, a reader, or someone who just knows how to sound fucking words (laughs) out. I'm like, Jesus, how is, is it three or four syllables? Like, is that a hard P? Like, what the fuck? And like, at first I was like looking the words up and then I was like, dude, I'm just going to like, there's one, there's like three to four every fucking sentence. I'm like, no, just, just blow through. And hopefully you just figure out the gist, man. Well, at least you took the time to look up some words. Cause I find like, I'll just pass them from time to time, but then you don't comprehend yeah. the majority of the sentence when you do that. So you actually have to put in the work. Dude, it's the eloquence. And even, and you know, what was even more fucked up was like having to read the constitution or the way that these dudes memoired and lettered to each other. Like, mm-hmm. so he would do like excerpts. Through, like letters. Yeah, exactly. Right. So um, like James Madison or um, Robert Morris are fucking writing letters and they're trying to figure shit out. Washington, Jefferson, and the way they spoke to each other, you're like, who the fuck, what kind of common person could understand this constitution regardless? You know, like right? I, I, I'm fairly well read and I literally read for a living every day and I read all sorts of shit and I'm like, I was overwhelmed. And then you read and try to understand the meaning and the elegance of why we have so many words because every word hints or has a connotation for some, almost yes. like we were saying spirituality, universe, love, religion. All that shit makes you feel a different way where you can kind of wrap it up and use it as synonyms where now it's like, who was fucking understanding what they were signing? Did anybody? Now, which, were you reading the actual cursive writing or print? No, it was in print. I'm just talking about the words they used. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you think of a newspaper and like newspapers, I believe are written in like seventh, eighth grade reading levels. So like people can get access to information. Right. The main point. Yeah. When these fuckers went back to their farms in New York and in South Carolina, and they're like, yo, the Constitution's going to do this. They, I'm almost sure, had to fucking dumb that down to the extremes. There was no way they just fucking <laughs> the showed. basic level. Yeah, they were, they were like, yeah, we're going to pay taxes and going to have a big army that won't take our stuff. All right, yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> I'm good. If you vote for it, you still have my vote. There's no just way. Just the basics. Yeah, and it just, the, the language use um, was so fucking impressive, man. So fucking impressive. Well, have you read Shakespeare? I, I've, I've said the words, but I'm not like reading that shit and being, giving you a summary. Right. I know. I I feel like that's very difficult to understand as, as well. I mean, what even about like Morse code or like, you know, telegraphs and things like that back in the day, it's just, I guess it's something you have to learn. Yeah. And it, it does. It makes you wonder why. Is it because we're now such a visual society where words, we're very visual. words have just gone by the wayside because we just let you fucking interpret or we can show you. We don't have to be as good as expressing things because we can just show you what we mean. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's easier. But then I also feel like when you have something written down, it can be more in depth. But our attention spans have just gotten shorter and shorter over the years. Yeah. Dude, that's uh, same. Yeah. Same thing that um and. That's why I almost am anti emoji. <laughs> Cause I'm like, just fucking make like don't don't send me three fucking emojis, man. Like, can can we go a sentence or two? Can we not lose that? Can, right, can we read right. through the whole I know. thing? Oh Jesus. So what's going on with Quebec? they they want to be their own nation? Is that what you said? There Did was, you just break yeah, news? There was a period Quebec? of time. <laughs> there was a period of time where Quebec wanted to separate from Canada to become a country of its own. Um, there was a movement, so it didn't happen, but 
I don't know, it just kind of, like, I have French background, too. I have, like, relatives in Montreal, Montreal. I guess they wanted to be more independent. They're French-speaking over there. Oh, so they're trying to hang on to their culture. That's the thing. Gotcha. But. And, like, so Canada was like, no, man, we want you. So when fuckers come in here, they know how to speak. They know how to speak English. You're going to make sure everything's in English for them? Because isn't Canada too polite to actually tell you what to do? <laughs> well, it's funny if you try to speak English sometimes, even in, in Paris, mind you, another French speaking place. Um, they may not always do it. And in Paris, I was practicing some of my French, but they could probably hear the undertones of the Quebecois style. So they were just like, just speak English. Like they were that snobby. <laughs> to, uh, it's like the same meaning, but the accent was, was wrong. But I did try at least. Huh. So then was the support not there? Like the, the citizens of Quebec were like, we don't want to lose out on all that Canada provides for us. Or do you, do you know why it kind of lost strength or steam? I think it required like a constitutional amendment and that never happened for them. So gotcha. they dropped it, but I know it's always been like in the back of their minds. Gotcha. Yeah. I, feel I don't know if negotiations are still going on, but. I, I think that's actually kind of cool to me. Like if Quebec's fucking holding on, like that's awesome that you can go. It would almost be like um, on a smaller scale, like going to um, New York City and hitting up Chinatown and just trying to fucking oh, yeah. find your way through this, you know, little pocket. It's almost like an embassy, right? Where it definitely it, it gets to hold on. Like, I wonder why they would um, why they would not let them not have like sovereignty, but not let them just be what they want to be culturally. Right. Hmm. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a good question. We just explored Chinatown and Little Italy and New York. We were there back in November before the whole COVID. I just love New York. I love that city. I love the feeling that I get when I'm when I'm there, and I love the variety of different people and, and cultures. I mean, I think that's what gives it its charm, its knack. You know. Yeah, it's it, it's amazing. And again, the, the COVID thing, like you don't understand the density of New York until you're fucking there. And you're like, Jesus, if I stop in the middle of walking on a sidewalk, I may get fucking stompede, stampeded <laughs> Trampled. over. Trampled, I know. You know, I know. like it, it's it's no fucking joke, man. Like keep walking. Um, yeah, go to the right, the, yeah. the works, you know. And I can't get over, like, how do you, how are you like a teacher? Or how are you a construction worker and you fucking can afford to live there when all basic right? shit is just so goddamn expensive? It's amazing. For a studio apartment, I mean, we're talking two grand American a month. So you'd probably God. have to add a roommate and then you're just like living in a closet. Yeah. Yeah. I. What's it? What's the um, real estate market like in Windsor? Windsor has caught up to being, you know, our best kept secret in that. It's not at Toronto prices by any stretch of the imagination, but like wartime homes are being inflated in price by up to like 30, 40%. So we are kind of staying where we are and waiting this thing out, but I just can't imagine overpaying for something that I would regret doing. So what do you need um, to like live pretty well? Like, so if I want, like in Delaware, if I, um, I'd say 300,000 would probably get you a, a nice home, good square footage, decent little yard. Um, if you want some land, I'm nearer to the beach, like a beach, a beach house would be whatever, a million, 1.5 million, maybe 2 million if it's super hooked up. Um, so 300K will get you a pretty good home in Delaware. Where are you at um, in Windsor? 
that's probably where we are now, but we were never like that. Like usually the average home price was about $189,000. Shut the fuck up. To live in a city that's actually nice. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, our city is pretty nice. Yeah. And, um, so now these, these homes are going for like 299 and you know, you look inside and you see like the old carpeting and the the wood trim around the doors and you're just like, Oh my gosh, $300,000. Like, like five years ago, even like this would give you not a mansion, but yeah, the prices are just, it's sad because we should have bought a home when the market was hot, but it's like the stock market. You never really know like Did what's going to happen in the future. So yeah. yeah, life's a gamble and a learning lesson. No doubt. God. Yeah. I've never, I'm, I, I might be on the bucket list to go to Windsor, man. I just, I, I, I like, <laughs> let me know. Let well, me know, Sean. Cause right. Like I've traveled to Nashville. Have you ever been to Nashville, Tennessee? Yes. We dude. went to Nashville, Tennessee two years ago and visited Elvis's house. And oh my gosh, I love that place. Dude. Great. And a fucking talk about a city where like you can walk and walk for long walks and there's just fucking room. And, but it has everything a city has, like all sorts of fucking food, all sorts of museums, all sorts of entertainment, yeah, all, all sorts of everything, vibe. no doubt. And I'm like, that's the kind of fucking, like New York has zero appeal to me with the tightness and the density that they deal with. Where Nashville, I was like, dude, that would be a city that I would like get down in. Like I could totally, I, I could The country there. living. And I know it, it was, it was really quaint to go there. What was that one street that's famous in there that- Broad. Not I think it's yes. Broad Street. Yes. Yeah, Broad Street. Loved that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so is Quebec similar? Or I'm sorry, Quebec. Um, Windsor, am I? So when you're talking about Windsor, I'm trying to picture the city more Nashville like than New York like. Would that be accurate? Hmm. We're just like a breed of our own. Ah, we're, we're kind like of similar it. to London, Ontario, but um, which is which is in between Toronto and Windsor. Okay. But just because we were a border city, there's constantly trucks, you know, going to and from the bridge and we have like our downtown area and our East end and our West end. Like I grew up in the West end, like West side. And now I'm, I'm <laughs> sold out to the East end. So there's kind of like, it's wait, just, wait, is that an actual like thing? That, West end versus it's East a end? Thing. No. What's the oh, thing? Yeah. What's the thing? Like what makes it's, West end West end? Like you're more artsy. It's like the Montagues and the Capulets. No, okay. Weston. Okay, it's a little bit more rough, I guess. I I don't know. Like I'm just from a different generation from my my husband for one. So like, whenever I have my hair in like a high bun and like listening to gangster rap, I do like the West Side. Like I'm from the West Side, and then like East End, it's different too. Like it's it's a little bit nicer, I will say, like aesthetically and. They both have great restaurants on each end. Like my parents are still in the West End, and I'll always have that that pride. And then the South End is probably the nicest area, a little bit more bourgeoisie. Oh, but well said. Is that by the <laughs> so? Is that by the water? I'm just trying to use geography. So if you're north of a, you're north of Detroit and you're separated by water, would the South End be like waterfront properties? The North End would be. And you know the song by Journey, like "Born and Raised in South Detroit." Don't oh, stop yeah. leaving. Yeah, yeah. So we always sing that really loud whenever it's on at a hockey game because technically we are south of Detroit, like oh, Windsor. So that's shit. kind of like our, our mantra too. So that's me not fucking googling and exposing my ignorant geometry or geographical <laughs> ass. Golly day! Yeah, because it does help, no right? We also have a big casino here that brings in a lot of artists and performers and revenue for that matter. So that's kind of the highlight of our entertainment here. Uh, okay. Um, casino, like table games and all that? Table games, slot. 
Nice. Wait, Big Coliseum. Wait, this, I, I will judge you for this. I don't judge people very often, <laughs> but you will be judged depending on your answer for this. Okay, let's hear it. What is your opinion on slots? When I was 19, had a little bit of a phase. <laughs> now I won't do more than 20 bucks. I mean, like, they really don't do much for me. I haven't hit Big Bang on them. I think, like, they're rigged. I don't know. Sometimes you'll just play, like, for you know, minutes at a time, like 10, 20 minutes and nothing. And then someone comes and sits down and boom, hits. Like, how do you justify that? Like, it's a mind warp. Yeah, I've never understood the appeal of slots. I've never understood the rush of slots. I've never understood the sit there, put in money, push a button and just fucking see what happens. <laughs> it's Can like you... factory work. Yeah, well, right? Like you're just pushing a button and like bumper comes off. Push a button, like windshield goes down the line. Like, why are you at 19 getting into slots? Like, what was the appeal? Well, it first started with the scratch tickets when you're 18. You're like, I'm legal. I can play them. So oh. me and my boyfriend at the time, we'd, we'd just go in and we sometimes we'd walk out in such a bad mood because we'd lost. But when you <laughs> hit, you know, you're like, oh, like, oh like, kind of like kind of like the stocks. But I feel like stocks are much more um, reasonable. Like what do you, you think? A, like in terms of gambling? Yeah, you have a fucking chance, man. If you do some research, yeah. um, you have it's a an chance. Investment. Yeah, and then you can always sell, but like you're... It's very rare and a stock goes broke. Usually people tell you like, just fucking wait, like shit will bounce back. Right. If you buy wrong, exactly. just wait. Where gambling's like, all right, man, I just put a dollar in for this slot to win $20,000. Dollars. I know. Sorry. The lights and the bells. And- yeah. So like, were you just like, you just didn't take your ADHD medicine and you just really wanted some <laughs> overstimulation? I don't, I don't get why right? an 18 or 19 year old girl would want to like hang out by the slots. I know. It was just who I was around with. Like my, I guess my ex kind of had a little bit of an addiction and he introduced me to that world and I was just like going in strong and there was thrilling times and especially with the themes, you know, like they had the Titanic slot and, you know, the Willy Wonka and the Wizard of Oz and then you're going to Kansas and it's a whole journey and then sometimes you're like, wow, I just lost $60. Like, (laughs) what happened? Wow. Okay. So that's, I get that then. So it's almost like that, um, video you're going and you're just checking out all the cool design that goes with the slot and what the fucking, like yeah. whatever the cherries, I know they're not always going to be cherries, but like, Oh, I just got three broomsticks. Fantastic. And, oh. Yeah. Or like you hit a bonus round and you're just like living your best life for like 30 seconds. Gotcha. Did you ever, um, did you walk with much at any point? Mm, I'd say probably 200 max okay. before, like nothing substantial, but still makes you feel pretty good but anytime I go there now for different shows like I'll put in some money just to kind of show that I'm there with my rewards card like hey man I'm here like maybe you can get some comp tickets in the future type thing gotcha so that's something they do then huh it's like they monitor how often you'll they get ya gotcha so then do you do table games or anything now that you're more mature wise and thoughtful with your gambling The the table games, usually minimum bets are like $10. And to me, that just seems like a lot. What do you think? Gotcha. So yeah, then that makes sense. Cause, and I, I hadn't considered that either, but if you're just fucking like a teenager, you're looking to have a good time, you got 20 bucks in your pocket, the slots, like you can play nickel slots fucking all night. Right. And just drink drink cheap liquor. It goes farther. Gotcha. What do they do? So our casinos here, man, is fucking great. If you want to grab a beer. Like the bar, it's like the only, the last place in the world where they keep liquor down so that you actually have more money to spend and gamble. You can get like $2, $3 beers. Stop. Are you serious? Yeah. Is it the same up there where you can get no. like a 4 or $5 well, drink? We have- 
quite like a, a classy bar. Like it overlooks the skyline, like right, like prime uh, property. And their their martinis are like, I want to say like ten bucks. Like not as crazy as Vegas, but right. they're not cheap. <laughs> yeah, was drinking cheap or expensive in Vegas? I've never been. We would usually just get alcohol from the liquor store and then have our own drinks and then just Shut go the to fuck the up. bars. You, you brought and in your own people, I guess. <sighs> So that's the way Good to do times. it, huh? You just sneak in with your own cup. You're like, ah, oh, man, it's just water. Or, all right, I got this iced tea from the gas station. Well, yeah, that's the thing with Vegas. You can literally drink in the street. I think it's like one of the only places, which is just like crazy to me. And if you look at it now, like all these streets are abandoned. It's like, it's mind blowing. Dude, it's eerie. And not, not to get all negative about the economy, but like it really does make you wonder, like, is it just going to be like this, almost like you flush a toilet when we're ready to open? And it's just like, and it just, it's packed immediately. Or is right. it going to be like a, how the fuck do we keep paying thousands of employees and open up hundreds of tables and shows when nobody's been working? Oh, yeah. You know, like they're I, I getting hurt right now. Yeah. That entertainment industry is fucking killer. Right. Oh, I know. Hey, so let's do this. I thought of it. And um, I believe the next pod I post will have it as a segment. So I'm trying to do this segment, which is called Best First for Last. <laughs> We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. Oh, I like that. Right? I felt like it was kind of clever. So Best first for last. Right? So you know I always say I saved the best for last. So I'm thinking on this oh, yeah. podcast, let's end podcast where people share a story of whatever their best first was. So you can take it in any direction you want, but your best first for last. Do you have one? You have to have one. I'm sure you got one. Why does my mind go to like my worst worst? I'm like, well, that was a pretty shitty first situation. Oh, but those are the best to tell, right? Like, yeah. So fucking, if, oh, it, if it's gosh. your best first that we can just laugh and mock you for the rest of your life, that's absolutely okay. something you should share in public to a stranger. <laughs> okay. Can, can I go, can I go that route then? 100, dude, hundred percent. It's your pod, man. I'm just, I'm just okay. listening. So performing singing, well, I've been in musicals. I can't say it was my first time singing on a stage, but I did, my stepdaughter and I did, um, opening act for my husband and his, his band. And I said, how do you take the microphone off the stand? Like, kind of like, how do you, how do you do it? And my stepdaughter was like, literally just like, take it, like, don't (laughs) overthink it. I'm like, okay. I go up there. Like the worst possible thing happens. Like the battery pack just like falls out of it. And I just like, look there, like my face dropped and Luckily, I gun it over to the other side of the stage where there's another microphone because, like, in theater, you just have to, like, break a leg and keep on going. Right. And I finished the song, but I'm, maybe it was, like, a universe thing when you focus on, like, what not to happen, and then it did. It was, like, oh, 100%. really first time singing. It was, like, Joan Jet. Like, I had, like, prepared it. I was going to give it my all, and then, like, boom. So I guess you learn from from that situation. <laughs> Dude, is, so is your daughter on the stage with you when the mic drops? Yeah. Nice. And, then and it's just this look like of what happened. going to say, I, I could just imagine the eye roll and the teeth suck. And just like, <laughs> Jesus. how many, uh, how oh, many people, how big of a stage are we talking? There was probably no more than a hundred people at the venue that night, but still a significant crowd with a lot of pairs of eyeballs on you wanting you to, you know, yeah. show them a good time of entertainment and you're just like stopped in your tracks. It's the oh, worst God. feeling, but I didn't leave and cry. So <laughs> I applied myself for that. Right. Grabbing the mic, were you about to bust out like the wicked, I'm going to embarrass my stepdaughter dance move? Or were you just going to like tilt the head back and you were about to fucking hit a tune? Like what was the point of the mic grab? We were about to like roam the stage with our best moves and 
you know, performativity 101 hair flips and my energy levels went from like 110% to like 30%. And I was just on autopilot at that point. Like, I don't even remember it. Like my mouth was dry. I'm just like going through the motions. And does your stepdaughter bring it up after? Like when you go backstage? She was so kind about it. She's like, no one even noticed. Like, oh. you know, it's it's fine. You played it up. Like she was a sweetheart about it. But it's one of those like, oh, I like I peed my pants in the classroom type of memories that you're never going to like forget every time you take the mic on stage. And I'm sure that you like do a lot of public speaking. And Oh, it's the worst when you pee yourself when you're public speaking. Let me tell you. That, that would have <laughs> well, been my... you're supposed to picture everyone naked too, right? Oh, gosh. No doubt. And um, so Hubby, was Hubby like critiquing your stage presence or he didn't even notice because he's getting ready and he's just laughing about he it? He was just playing guitar and like, yeah, I don't even know if he really noticed at that gotcha. point. But okay, did you want to mention his band? I can't believe you guys are this fucking artistic, Jesus! So this wicked, <laughs> nice-looking guy is also in a band. Yes, absolutely. They're called Out of Bounds, and they've been around I think since either the late seventies or early eighties. They do a lot of classic rock songs, and it's always a good time in our basement on Saturday nights. If you ever want to come to Windsor and stop by. Yeah. Just a fucking 14 hour drive, I believe. And I could <laughs> no be big deal. Yeah. Straight through. <laughs> um, out of bounds. Nice. I'll have to look at, do they do original stuff or are they mostly covers? A lot of covers. Um, gotcha. my husband is a songwriter though. That's another thing that I find myself doing. I mean, I could talk to you all day, my friend, but we're, we're writing songs We're we're just getting really creative as a, as a duo here. It's a very artistic family. I'm blessed for that. Yeah, for sure. And maybe that, again, that's part of probably why you, to, if you went, wanted to go back like universe wise, like why do you feel attraction to people? And yes. maybe it's like one of those things where it was like, dude, something out there, we'll call it the universe, knows that like we'll actually vibe together. And that's why Absolutely. I get this emotion or this feeling, this stimulation when I'm around mm-hmm. you and it's like, okay, like that, that feels right. And maybe that's- It's you your know, intuition talking. Yeah, right. Exactly. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we're alike in our personalities. Like Rick is what I like to call like a, a type B, like he's very calm and um, cool and collected. And me, I'm the type A. So like everyone I used to date was like big personality, you know, intellectuals, la la la. But those relationships never lasted because I was like attracting some of the similar qualities in my personality with that person. It was just like butting heads. But right. if you meet sort of your opposite in that way, like you can have similar hobbies and things like that. But I think it has worked out for me anyway, in a more uh, longevity sense. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt at all. Aww. Yeah. Well, Blair, thank you so much for coming on and spending some time letting uh, me and um, people get to know you, man. It was, um, thank it was, you it was awesome. for Great having energy. me. It's a blast. Yeah, it was. And um, it's funny because I think what'll happen if all of a sudden I like, I feel like there's going to be some weird Instagram, Facebook person. That's going to be like, you cannot continue to message strangers at this volume. You're blocked. And then what I'm going to have to do is like get up with people and be like, Hey, can we do a getting to know more of you segment? So <laughs> I'm glad do you, you know got- how many trolls you're going to meet, Sean, like people are, are dream killers. And every time you get one of those messages, like just ignore it because I feel like what you're doing is amazing and it's only going to reach more heights and, we need more people like you who are willing to ask questions and, and take the time and 
make people feel good and important and that they matter. So hats off to you with that. Well, that was nice. I was actually talking about like Zuckerberg's algorithm of like, bro, you've sent 30 messages to strangers. You're a phishing scheme. Get off the internet. (laughs) You're a bot. Yeah. yeah, And then I'm just blocked. And then I'm like, fuck, what do I do now? I need to post something. So then like. Give it 24 hours. (laughs) There it is. There's the industry secret as well. All hey man, well, I think we're going to be friends too after this. So if you ever want to, you know, chat in, in general, yeah, I'm only a message away. Yeah, and no likewise. doubt. Yeah. And that's something I'm actually, I'm trying to do is not just like be the schmuck, but then again, it's like, well, I'm a stranger. And if I'm like commenting on your post or fucking whatever, like people put up stories or feeds, which I'm learning the difference between. And I'm actually very upset that more people don't use feeds than stories, but that's another thing. Huh. Um, I, yeah, I like, that's another method. Yeah. Well, cause I like the feed part. I find it more conversational where you can like go back and forth where I guess if you make a message about or a comment on someone's story, it's like a direct message to you versus other people can't see it. And you can't like develop almost like a group chat mentality of like, we can have right. this running dialogue going over go, centered around this like image. Um, yeah, it's like that collaboration again. I get it. Yeah, the relational connectivity, uh, the, mm-hmm. the the shtick that I'm trying to go with, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, I like man. your shtick. Right? Yeah, man. We'll uh, we'll definitely. And I love keep... the intro. Sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> with the music, it, it was very well thought out. Dude, so. that's the other thing. There's gonna be some fucking algorithm that's like, bro, you stole this. Take it down. I'm gonna get a cease and desist at some point for it, you know? Because I don't know if it's illegal or not. Can you splice together two things and then you're not really stealing one? I think as long as you source your, you credit your source, you're good. I mean, every time I make like a YouTube video, I always like to include my favorite songs because I feel like it just gives it this vibe and it's sort of like directorial sense. But in this respect, as long as you say, hey, like what was the clip that you used in the beginning? It's getting to know you. Was that the oh, one? yeah, 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 yeah. Roger and Hammerstein getting to know yeah, you. Yeah. So, I mean, like no one's going to say, oh, like, you know, you made this up or it's it's clearly a sample and you're clearly gotcha. paying respects to it so yeah yeah okay cool all right well legally then i'm covered so fuck you if you want to <laughs> take it down of, listen listen to blair from windsor said fuck off <laughs> with your cease and desist bitch i'm on it's staying oh man yeah man and i used a little smooth criminal for the intro for the uh best last best first for last um just the like that Did baseline no i'm a huge michael jackson fan or no so I used Alien Ant Farms because it's a little heavier with the nice. rock. And I figured yes. I figured if someone makes it through a fucking hour forty five, they might need a little jolt. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, when it when it plays, man, when you get to that point, um it'll like the musical cut in. I haven't edited one yet. This will probably be the first one where I edit it, but that's another one where I was like, Can I take twenty seconds of a baseline and they're not speaking and not compromise their intellectual property if I talk over it? And hmm. I don't know. Can you kind of make it your own and dodge the royalties that way? But um, since I gave you my burst, my best, oh God, gruel. It's like that line from <laughs> Mean yeah. Girls, great and cool gruel. Since right. I gave you my worst, best first, you should totally include the bass riff from Alien Ant Farm where it goes down. Like, because it's not happy. It's like, to like kind of end it. I try to do it with the wow. Like, cause it's like, oh, yeah, no, yeah. those and fuckers. Such a cool bass lick. I can't. Dude, even... they, they brought that song back in such a great way. It's on, they did. It's they were an underrated band in my humble opinion. You know, I haven't done, I haven't listened or jammed out to any of their other songs. I feel like I know them, but I can't remember any. I had their CD because when I was younger, I would like buy whole CDs if only I knew one song and then right. I would just get to know all the other work. Yeah, yeah. Well, dude, that's how they fucking got you back in the day. It's like you couldn't I buy know. just a single for four bucks. You're like, okay, well, I guess I'll get the whole CD for 17. 
You know, exactly. there's, there's got to be another and good song. For your back. And then it's like, oh, these fucking one-hit wonders. Breaking Spotify. My wallet. Yeah, now kids are just so fucking spoiled with getting music, man. We're used to, so spoiled. You used to be such funny. a fucking arduous trek. Just getting a ride to the record or CD store was such yeah. a pain in the ass. Getting dropped off at the mall, dealing with the fucking white thing around it so you didn't steal them, you know? Yeah. Like, Best Buy, the alarm goes off. What? Yeah, Jesus. All right. Cool. <laughs> hey, that was good. Yeah, we definitely could keep talking. But let's, I'm going to cap it at two because um, the weather's actually nice here. Um, First time in like five enjoy. days. Enjoy. Enjoy. No doubt. I'm going to get out and get some vitamin D and maybe drink some bleach because Trump says sun and drinking bleach will stop me from being sick. So, and Lysol. And Lysol. So. Yeah. Spray myself <laughs> down instead of sunscreen with it. <laughs> there you go. Slather it on. All right. Be well, my yeah, friend. Yeah, thank you. pleasure. Yeah, it was great getting to know you, Blair. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Take care, Sean. Right. And Bye. 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 Big thanks to Blair for being brave enough to chat with a complete internet stranger. Be like Blair, people. Say yes more often and see what the universe brings you. Thanks to Diversity for sponsoring today's show. Remember, be different. Be you. Be diverse. Friend, follow, subscribe, listen to the pod on any platform. We're fucking everywhere. We always appreciate the reviews as well. So if you have time, just click a couple stars. It makes this whole operation seem more legit and less like an internet scam. Au revoir.